This week's episode of Kaiju Weekly is brought to you by the Monsterland Resort on beautiful Ogasawara Island, now under new management that isn't evil disco space nuns. Stay in a luxurious hotel that has a thrilling view of Earth's mightiest monsters. It's home to scenic and now decontaminated beaches. Tour the Monster Island Research Facility and learn from the world's foremost authorities in kaijuology. Unlike the competition, they found a way to keep tourists safe. You can't go bigger than Monsterland. Hello, kaiju fans. This is Travis jumping in here to just give you guys a heads up. The episode that you are about to listen to, the audio is not at the level that we usually do. So if this is your first time listening to Kaiju Weekly, just know that the audio, especially Michael's audio, uh, is not at the level that it normally is. And the reason for that is not because we screwed up when recording the podcast and did not record on our microphones and had to record on the Skype call. It's actually because if anyone is familiar with Monster Island Film Vault, Nathan, the host of that podcast, he actually lives on Monster Island. And so when we made arrangements to have this crossover between our podcasts, uh, Michael kind of got confused and thought that we were going to Monster Island. And then the coronavirus hit, and now he is stuck in a quarantine bubble outside of Monster Island. But thankfully, Jimmy from NASA, the producer of the Monster Island Film Vault podcast, was able to get some old recording equipment from a monarch base and bring it to Michael. So if his audio sounds kind of messed up, it's because of that. Not because we made a mistake in our recording. Absolutely not. How dare you even think that? Um, But that being said, Michael himself has to step away from the podcast for a few weeks just because of a family emergency. So uh, he's going to be away for a couple of weeks, which is totally fine. Like I said, we really appreciate the work that he does for the podcast, but he's going to be away for a couple of weeks. So it's going to change our schedule around things that we had originally scheduled to talk about and review. We are going to switch around because we want to make sure that Michael can be here to cover the subjects that he wants to cover. Uh, the only other thing that I want to mention before you jump into the regular episode is a fellow podcaster named David Marshall. We mention him a lot on this podcast. In fact, I think we mention him a lot in this particular episode. He is going through a very difficult time in his uh, life right now, him and his family, um, what should be a very happy time, the birth of his new daughter, Harlow. Uh, has turned into kind of a stressful time because uh, baby Harlow was sick and is sick and is kind of fighting for her life right now um, in the hospital. She's in intensive care, the natal intensive care. And so we want to give our good wishes and uh, send out good vibes to David and his family. Uh, You can do that on... Uh, Twitter, on social media of any kind. Um, we actually started the, the uh, hashtag. I forget who exactly started it, but we started the hashtag Roar for Harlow. Um, so if you want to give some support to David and his family, you can do that using the hashtag Roar for Harlow. And make sure that you send out the 
those good wishes and well wishes to Michael, too, because he's going through a family emergency as well. You can do that on the Kaiju Groupie Facebook group, or you can do it um, on the Kaiju Groupie on Twitter or Instagram. But as far as David and his family, there is a GoFundMe that is set up to try to help them pay for medical expenses, because we know that the medical expenses can be high during this time, so we don't want to, uh, we want to help lighten the burden for him uh, as a community, as a kaiju community, so that has been set up, so I'm going to include the link in the description of this episode, uh, so you can go and show your support that way, if you choose to. Uh, Anyway, I think that is all I have to say. This episode is one of our longest ones we've ever recorded, and we had a lot of fun, even though we had a lot of technical issues. Um, I blame it on Nathan bringing his uh, mascots from his podcast, which is uh, Goji-kun and Brokong, who are little tiny mascots who just went nuts and tore up a lot of my uh, equipment and so if we have any technical issues blame it on that it's definitely not human error it's it's definitely those little the little monsters and michael being in quarantine outside of monster island yeah but despite all of the technical problems and the audio not being the best i hope that you guys will enjoy the discussion either way so here's the episode Catch you guys later. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Kaiju Weekly, the weekly podcast that introduces you to the wide world of giant monster movies. I am your host, back from my podcation, <laughs> my workcation, to Pensacon, Travis, and with me is Michael, our guest host, <laughs> that I like to say, even though he's on yeah, here more often. Even off the special. Whatever happened to the special? Uh, special guest host, Michael, even though he's on here more than I am now. <laughs> and we have another actual special guest, <laughs> sorry, Michael, <laughs> um, all the way from the Monster Island, we have Nathan Merchan, who is the host of the Monster Island Film Vault podcast. Hello! Kaiju lovers! <laughs> I, I have to admit, I, I have to admit, I'm a little, I'm a little confused right now. You know, I got a little bit of a headache because I flew all the way over here with the white heron, and thanks to jet lag and daylight savings time, I'm not quite sure where we are. <laughs> I, yeah, forget, yeah. I forgot what destination I put in the navigation computer. <laughs> the question is, Nathan, uh, what's the layover like coming from Ogasawara? Uh, the layover? I, I don't have to deal with uh, with layover. What are you talking about? I have Jimmy, with my producer, Jimmy from NASA. He has a garage okay. full of all kinds of cool things that I can borrow. He won't let me use the <laughs> SY3, unfortunately. The SY3 is his baby. So I had to settle for the White Heron. Nice. 
Nice. Well, we are so glad to have you on this podcast coming all the way from Monster Island. It's so nice that you were able to make that trip just for us. <laughs> this is actually the first time since I started the show that I have guested on another podcast. Oh, wow. Wow. I actually didn't realize that. <laughs> I was on a podcast that was hosted by my friends Nick and Tim, who've actually guest hosted on my show it, there's podcast is called derailed trains of thought i was on their show about a month or so before i started mine but mm. you know i don't quite count that one that's more like a weird backdoor pilot i guess you could say how did the um how did the beach barbecue go on the island the other night <laughs> well the monsters had a good time we had to <laughs> keep the tourists back a little bit because that fire was gigantic I, and I do think Godzilla is still nursing his feet because he got dangled over the fire by Kong. Oh, <laughs> wow. <laughs> that, which is weird that because they're not talking to each other because, you know, they were supposed to have their big rematch in May and then things got unruly and they stopped talking to each other. And then the Mark Russell's daughter showed up and found out we had one of the orcas and smashed it with a hammer. So we're trying to get it fixed. So, and, you know, but none of the parts are coming in until November, conveniently. So of course. Nice. Of course. Jimmy is still a little upset about that. He liked the orca, and he was planning on getting it running for us to make it easier for the scientists here to deal with the monsters. Speaking of uh, Jimmy and the crew over there on the island, um, did, did they were they able to make the flight over with you, or did they stay nope. behind? No, it's just me. Jimmy has to take care of the studio while I'm gone. Somebody has to. Just like I, I'm planning yeah. on going to G Fest, and unfortunately, Jimmy won't be able to make it to G Fest because he has to take care of the studio. Like I said, although he does say he really, really would like to do at some point a panel on the war in space because he miraculously survived it. <laughs> Nice. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Would love to hear about that. Yeah, the only thing he, uh, the only theory I can come up with for how he did it was what I call the power of retcon. Uh, unfortunately, it is a power that must be used wisely. I have seen it done poorly. <laughs> right. Exactly. Exactly. I can think of a few Spider-Man issues that, that where it's been used poorly. Uh, anyway. He started on one more day. <laughs> Oh, I know. Are you that it's just a little bit too wreck convenient? Oh! <laughs> well, where's that red shot when you need it? <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Well, um, so, yeah, I wanted to uh, introduce Nathan. I mean, we, we've kind of introduced you now. But um, so your podcast, Monster Island Film Vault, give us a little breakdown of what that is all about. Well, as the tagline goes, uh, on the Monster Island Film Vault, we seek entertainment and enlightenment through tokusatsu. Obviously, the, the kaiju, tokusatsu, monster movies, we all know that they have great entertainment value. But what I have discovered, because I was on another podcast a few years ago called Kaiju Vision Radio, and through my time on that podcast, I started to realize that there's a lot more substance to these movies than people realize even the really cheesy ones have some interesting things to say. And mm -hmm. especially when you're looking at them, because you know, these are classic films, they're foreign films. So there's a degree of separation that we as Americans have with this media. 
the the Godzilla 1954 was not made for us. It was made for a Japanese audience in 1954. So it's very much a product right. of its time. And one of the things that I seek to do on that, I, you know, I did it on Kaiju Vision, and, and I, what I'm continuing to do on the Film Vault is bridging that gap. So I do a lot of research on these films and on the history and the culture that created them to put them into perspective, I guess you could say, and to illustrate that there's more interesting things going on in this than you may realize. And particularly when I was on Kaiju Vision, I've had some people tell me that they were surprised by the things that I was finding out and espousing on the show. To give you an example yeah. for the, because I've been going through the Kong films with, because mm -hmm. I was anticipating that Godzilla versus Kong would be out by about now. <laughs> so I've been, so yes, I've been, we all. Yeah. Jimmy's gotten an earful about it from me constantly. <laughs> so, <laughs> I think he's about ready to invest in earplugs. I'm just saying. Yeah. But, you know, with the original King Kong, the I talked about the Great Depression. And because what's interesting is the original film doesn't really acknowledge the presence of the Great Depression. It's implied, but they don't really go into a whole lot about it because it was meant to be an escapist adventure film. And mm -hmm. then with Son of Kong, I took the things, you know, the historical things about the Depression, and then we talked about how films of that time approached the Depression and their attitude toward it, which was usually ignore it or make the whole story about that and just fully embrace it. So you know, we talked, uh, we compared all of those things. And then oh, I'm trying to remember for King Kong escapes. My gosh, I've been, I have been editing for too long. My brain is melting. <laughs> what was uh, King Kong escapes? Do you remember Michael? <laughs> My brain is not working today. It's the jet. Uh, are you talking about the, uh, 67? Yeah. In 67. Okay. Uh, I do not recall at the moment. Yeah, and I ha I have to admit I'm behind on episodes of Monster Island Film Vault just because there is so much to do, and I just got back from my long trip. So I think the episode I have on my phone right now is the Varan, the unbelievable episode. Um, yeah, because what I do is I do one main discussion episode each month. I do two episodes mm -hmm. a month, and then I do a shorter episode the on another film right now i'm actually going through the films that have been covered on kaiju vision radio since i left and no, okay so i'm doing shorter episodes that are meant to be supplements to that and a lot of the material that you're hearing in those episodes came about through an independent study i did while i was in grad school on ashira honda oh wow that was that was interesting i actually convinced the resident film professor at my university to let me do an independent study on Ashura Honda because I just I had two credit hours that I wanted to fill and I didn't feel like taking a three credit hour class when I only needed two. Yeah, nice. Nice. That is that sounds awesome though. Yes. And so I went over six films from Ashura Honda. None of them Godzilla films. I wanted to specifically look at not Godzilla films that he right. did. But they're all Tokusatsu I really have to tell you, I really, really wish that Honda's non-genre films would get released over here because there are several in particular I really want to see. 
you know how Toho is. They are notorious for <laughs> being a, mm-hmm. a little bit, shall we say stingy? <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's the word I was going to use. <laughs> I mean, the fact that I even have half human in the vault, and I haven't revealed this yet, but I also have prophecies of Nostradamus. Those are small miracles. Wow. Oh, oh wow. wow. Okay. Wow. Half human was an interesting episode. Yes. Um, that one that one was interesting for sure. I actually enjoyed uh the one about Varan or Varan, however you want to say it. Mm-hmm. Uh I know it gets a lot of flack within the Tokusatsu community as not a very good film, and some parts rightfully so, I agree. But um, you know, your analysis of it really made me want to go back and watch it and give it just one more shot. And um I'm probably one of the few people that actually enjoys it. You know, the first time I watched it, I was enthralled by the first half. But then once mm-hmm. Varan leaves the village, I was much less engaged. Even though oh, yeah. it's supposed to, even though almost all of the second half of the movie is action, I'm still I was still sitting there thinking, I've seen all of this before. And the characters have yeah, vanished, yeah, and now it's yeah. just it's a Michael Bay movie. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> and that goes back to the fact that it was originally meant to be a TV miniseries. You saw it on two nights. So the first right. night probably would have been everything with the village. And then the second half would have been the stuff with the military fighting Varan. Although yeah, and for- it's the second uh-huh. half is interesting for one reason. And that's seeing the one time Nakajima got hurt on set. Oh, wow. <laughs> Which was when the truck uh, at the end on the beach, when the truck uh, gets driven under Varan and then exploded, that actually, that that explosion actually burned Nakajima on his abdomen. Oh, my goodness. Those suit actors, I tell you what, they are they were always, always putting their bodies on the line in those suits. I don't care what anyone says. Suit actors are B.A. I'm yeah. just saying. Yeah. If you can put on you know, 150, 200 pounds of rubber on yourself and mm-hmm. move around and do the things that they can do, mm-hmm. I that's not necessarily fun. I, it annoys me here to hear people call that stuff cheap. Really. I think, right. Really. How about you try it? Building all of those sets to scale and putting in little details. You try putting on that suit and walking around and doing all the things that they do. And then come talk to me. Yeah, and, and the number of times that they got waterlogged and nearly drowned the the uh, suit actor. Or they caught on fire because they got too close to the pyrotechnics. And <laughs> that is one of my favorite scenes in Terror of Mechagodzilla. Which, by the way, yeah. it was my first Godzilla movie. Oh, nice. That was my first Godzilla movie, and I will. there are so many great moments in, in that film. I, th- I feel like that yeah. one is, I think the, I feel like the, the only reason people give that one any reverence at all is because of Honda, but I, there's a lot of stuff going for it. Yeah, it's hurt a little bit by, well, more than a little bit. It's hurt by its budget, but there's just right. so much going on in that one that is 
worthy of discussing and the mm -hmm. Godzilla's fiery charge and getting set on fire is just yeah <laughs> oh my gosh and that was an accident but I'm guessing Honda or somebody in the editing room just thought you know what this looks cool we'll leave it in <laughs> right exactly <laughs> even though in the next shot Godzilla is magically not on fire but at that right. point he's pummeling Mechagodzilla so nobody cares <laughs> the commentary on the DVD for that one the the classic media DVD the was by a couple of fans and one guy said he saw this movie at a drive-in movie theater and he said when that scene happened people were honking their horns because that's what you do for applause at a drive-in movie theater oh wow <laughs> nice that's nice well as much as this conversation can just go on and on of us just shooting the breeze and talking about the things we love we do have an episode planned for our listeners today and so just like every uh other episode of kaiju weekly we're going to start with the news the only big news item that i think we're going to talk about this week is just the uh whole debacle with james bond uh not enough time to die <laughs> uh, being moved. No time to die. No time to die. Not enough time to die. Well, apparently there is enough time to die. <laughs> what this news item proves is that coronavirus can defeat anybody. It defeated Ultraman. It defeated James Bond. And by extension, it may defeat Godzilla and Kong. Right, exactly. So for listeners who are not aware, uh, the new James Bond movie was uh, the release for the U.S. was delayed because of the coronavirus. And uh, it is coming out just, what is it, the week after Godzilla vs. Kong or the week before? Uh, the week after. The week after. It's five days after, to be exact, because Godzilla vs. Kong is November 20th. No Time to Die is now November 25th. Yeah, so um, so there's been a big upheaval in the fan community about what this means and whether this spells disaster for Godzilla vs. Kong. Um, as far as me personally, I'm on the side of I don't really care how it affects the box office because they're going to get my money. So that's all that I can do is just I'm going to go see Godzilla vs. Kong as many times as I can. So uh, <laughs> I don't really know. But but I mean, I understand why people are interested in the box office because it does, you know, affect future films. But for me personally, I'm just like, well, I'm going to go see it. I don't really care for James Bond. So I'm definitely going to go see Godzilla vs. Kong uh, as many times as I can. So but um, uh, Nathan, since you're our guest, I'll start with you. Um what what's your opinions on this bit of news? I do think people are freaking out more than they need to. It just seems like I know this may sound mean, but it's almost seems to indicate a lack of faith in Godzilla versus Kong that you know, it yeah. can only do well if it has no competition. And come on. I mean, yeah, I will freely admit I am one of those people who, when he found out that Adam Wingard was directing this movie, you know, my faith in it dropped a little bit because I've seen Netflix Death Note. Mm. And that is all that shall be said of it. <laughs> that, movie <is> like, <laughs> that movie is like Voldemort. You don't say its name. but <laughs> <laughs> so, so, yeah, I get it, but come on. Come on. Yeah, they're just, a, I, like I said, it just shows a lack of faith. 
they're 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 concerned that this other big franchise is going to come in and people are you know non fans I guess you could say the general public is going to allocate their money to that as opposed to Godzilla versus Kong and let's be honest I mean this next James Bond movie may or may not be good you know there's some rumblings going on about it that you know people have doubts about that film as well so right yeah we don't know that's what that's ultimately what this is it is a great big unknown at this point so until we have a better idea of how both of these movies are shaping up I think it might be wise to reserve judgment and not create a self-fulfilling prophecy at this point. Right. On the other hand, I did have a little bit of fun with it because I made a meme about it on the <laughs> podcast social medias. <laughs> because what ultimately this boils down to, you know, and I have opinions on this, is because Hollywood has to get that China money. China is a giant right. film market. The Chinese government only allows so many Hollywood movies into that market, and they have really stringent rules about what they will allow. It's kind of crazy. So that's why it got moved, because the concern was that No Time to Die wouldn't be a hit right now if it was released in April because nobody in China is going to movie theaters because of the coronavirus. Yeah. Uh, Michael, did you want to say anything about this uh, bit of news that we have? Well, uh, when Nathan came on with his opening statement, the first thing that came to mind is the gif of Michael Scott when he claps his hands and says, thank you. <laughs> yeah. Because, um, yeah, I think people are freaking out for no good reason. And Nathan was right. I, I think it shows that <clears throat> that maybe the fans don't are maybe projecting some kind of uh, disbelief or un, uh, disbelief in what what the movie could be. I mean, mm-hmm. for me personally, I'm I'm like you, Travis. I'm going to go see it regardless, regardless if it's the last film that Legendary makes for the Monster. Mm-hmm. I'm still going to go watch it. I'm probably even still going to go watch uh, 007 too because I like his movies also. But uh, to me, I feel like uh, King Kong versus I'm sorry, uh, Godzilla versus Kong uh, plays to a slightly different audience than maybe um, the, uh, the No Time to Die would uh, because you're looking at a monster movie that would attract both parents, adults, and children, whereas I don't think too many parents are going to take their kids to watch 007. Probably. Yeah. No joke. I forget what it's called, but there is actually a podcast about Godzilla and James Bond. Oh, wow. I, like I said, I can't remember what it's called, but it's because they're the two longest-running film franchises in the world. Right, and that and that's what I was going to say, too, that I, even though, yeah, we're talking about these two uh, franchises competing against each other in the box office, I do find it really interesting that we have the two longest-running franchises in the world, both releasing new movies around the same time, and I, I think it's just it just shows that we are in a good place as far as these films are concerned, that that we have these films. 
Uh, you know, if you're a James Bond fan, be happy that they're still making James Bond movies after all these years. And if you're a Godzilla fan, you know, we're happy to see Godzilla and King Kong face off again after all these years. So I, I just I'm excited for the movies and I'm just looking forward to seeing uh, for me particularly Godzilla versus Kong because I'm not a big uh, James Bond fan but for people who are James Bond fans I think I think this is just something to be excited about not something to worry about um, but yeah, other than that, as far as the news is concerned, um, I think we were just going to recap some of my experiences at Pensacon because, uh, last weekend I was over in Pensacola, Florida at Pensacon, which is, uh, I would say a medium sized convention. It's not a huge convention, but it's not one of the smallest ones that I've been to. Uh, and it was a lot of fun. I was there, even though it was a lot of fun, it was kind of a vacation for me. I, was also working because I had went through and applied for a media pass and was representing Kaiju Weekly there. And so was, uh, got into some of the panels that were at Pensacon and got a couple of interviews with, uh, a couple of people. Uh, not exactly the people that I was wanting. Well, they were still ones I wanted to, but there was one person in particular. And if you follow, uh, the, the Kaiju Weekly social medias, uh, people probably would have seen the picture of me, uh, with Akira Takarada. And yeah, I was, I wanted so bad to interview Akira Takarada. Yeah, exactly. And so I really, really wanted to interview him, but unfortunately because of his scheduling with the con and also his scheduling with his interpreter, because he's, his English is very rudimentary. Um, so I have some we funny stories able... about Akira Takarada, but if we have time, oh, oh really? Yeah, uh, yeah I, I yeah. got to meet him at G Fest last year. Oh, nice, that is absolutely cool. See, I this was my first time getting to meet him, and I know that with his age and with the way things are, are right now, he's probably not going to make it back to the States very many times uh this might be one of the last times that he makes it to the united states so i had to take my opportunity to meet him and say hi to him and i said on my social media i was like if you ever want to see the biggest dumbest smile on my face look at this picture of me with <laughs> kira takarada because i'm like i don't get starstruck i don't get starstruck when i meet like big celebrities and stuff but akira takarada the star of so many of my favorite Godzilla movies and and just an all-around nice guy I he just I was so starstruck meeting him he's Um, he's not classic Hollywood but he's classic Japanese cinema just saying mm -hmm. yeah and he he uh yeah he was he's really funny and uh really sweet I I like to refer to him as like the Japanese Stan Lee just because he has this <laughs> he has this energy about him and he's so enthusiastic about the things that he does uh that it's kind of like Stan Lee how Stan Lee just kind of became the uh unofficial official mascot for comic books in general akira takarada is kind of that way with godzilla films and with tokusatsu he just kind of he champions these movies and he puts himself out there for people to see 
Uh, and so I view him kind of like uh, the a Japanese Stan Lee. <laughs> um, but yeah, he, he's, he was a really nice guy. But unfortunately, I didn't get an interview with him. Uh, just got to see him and talk to him for a little bit. One of the um, very last episodes of the Kaiju cast, I think um, they put out a panel discussion and Akira Takarada was on that panel. <laughs> And yeah, it was just that so was from G Fest because Kyle oh, got, yeah. to, got to interview him. I was actually there and saw it live. Yeah, yeah, I remember hearing that. Yeah, it's he's he's such an amazing guy, and and a lot of people you know who are not in the Taku Tokusatsu um community, they would they might know that he's or might not know that he's a voice actor too. Um, and that's one of the things, cause I'm a huge voice actor nerd. And so he does a lot of voice acting in Japan. He did, uh, some of the voices on, uh, was it Star Wars Rebels? Um, he was the voice of the Bindu, uh, for, in the Japanese dub. And he's also the voice of Jafar in anything Japanese, Disney related that's in Japanese. If it's Aladdin, he is the voice of Jafar. Uh, you want to know another thing that he dubbed? Uh, what is, what, he also what, did what, the Japanese dub for cats. <laughs> oh, yes. Yes, I knew this. I knew this. <laughs> I, so I, knew now this. I, so I, I read that and I thought, can I get this movie in Japanese? Because I might be able to tolerate it then. <laughs> I know. It's like, I want to see this movie in Japanese now. I don't want to see it in English. I want to see... He, I, he, I'm he still going to look at it as a musical horror movie. Right. Exactly. Well, I've, I have been saying and I've been teasing, uh, Steven, my other co-host, um, for ever since Cats was announced that if those cats were just 10 feet taller, we would have to review it on the podcast <laughs> because then they would count as giant monsters. Well, I have a little bit of something similar going on. Uh, there was a thing that was on a Twitter thread that I, uh, that I was talking in where people were making all these absurd promises if Godzilla versus Kong made so much money. So <laughs> one of the, pro I said, if the, if this movie makes $500 billion worldwide, <laughs> I will live tweet while watching Catwoman. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> and then it, made, it got more absurd after that. Cause it was like, you know, if it made 750 billion, no, not billion, excuse me, million dollars. A few too many mm -hmm. zeros there. Can you tell I was an English major? I don't math. <laughs> anyway okay, so 500 million dollars and then 750 million dollars and i said i would live stream watching catwoman and then if it oh, made a wow. billion dollars worldwide i said i'd actually cover it on the podcast <laughs> and i say nice. that because catwoman is the one superhero movie i will refuse to ever watch because <laughs> it is such a gross assassination of that character <laughs> And I'm not it even a gigantic so Catwoman fan. I just right. hate that movie on principle. <laughs> oh, my goodness. It is one of the... Uh, okay, for me, Catwoman is one of those movies that I hate watch, but I, I also kind of love because of how bad it is. <laughs> because it's it, it reaches a level of bad at a certain point where... It's just like you just kind of take it as a comedy almost because it's no longer a serious movie. I mean, she's eating cat food and hissing at people. So it's at a certain point, you just got to take it as a comedy. It's like whoever watched that 
saw some of the quirks that they gave to Michelle Pfeiffer in Batman Returns and then decided to crank it up to 12 and make that the entire movie. Right. Because <laughs> Michelle Pfeiffer wasn't doing stuff like that. And she's probably the most insane version of Catwoman because Catwoman is exactly. not crazy in the comics. She's not. Right. The, no. the, the Dark Knight Return, not Returns, Stop using such similar titles, DC. The Dark Knight <laughs> Rises, that version of Catwoman is actually much closer to, in terms of personality, right. to how she is in the comics. And Tim Burton yeah, exactly. just decided to Burtonify Catwoman. But, you know, so they, that's my point. That whole thing, uh, I don't know if this will get me censored or something on this show, but when I see Halle Berry's Catwoman, I don't see Catwoman. I see a hooker with a cat fetish. That's what she is. That, I can't stand that outfit. I can't. St- it is such a fail. <laughs> well, if you ever, if you do end up doing any of that, uh, the the live stream or covering it on your podcast, then uh, get in touch with me because I will be a guest on there and gladly uh, help you through that experience. <laughs> Considering some of the stunts that the Monster Island Board of Directors has tried to pull with me since I started with the show, I may need to have you on there so I can maintain my sanity. <laughs> oh, man. Um, but yeah, going back to uh, Pensacon, I was able to um, get to see a couple of panels. One panel was about uh, doing art for giant monster related uh, media, whether that be comic books, video games, things like that. Uh, and on the panel, they had Matt Frank. Um, they had a few other people on there, but the uh, one that stood out to me was Matt Frank uh, because he talked about his experiences um, in Japan. He got to go to Japan and be at the opening of the Godzilla store, um, which is in... Uh, what part of Japan? It's it's the same place where the Godzilla um, uh, hotel is, and uh, the and new you, honeymoon the, destination for all kaiju fans. <laughs> exactly, exactly. I am trying to convince my fiance that that is the place to go. Um, <laughs> who is not I'm sure a kaiju she fan? She wants to wake up every day of her honeymoon with Godzilla staring at her through that window. Right? Isn't it so romantic? <laughs> Lisa outright refused to go with me. Oh my goodness! Yeah, um, but yeah, he uh, he went to the opening of the Godzilla store that's there in that same area, and he said that when he got there uh, to go to his table, there was a line out the door to meet him, and he said, "I don't know what this is like because I'm just a nobody artist who does monster comics and stuff." And so he was like, uh, "So starstruck, or not starstruck, but just like overwhelmed by the number of people who were there to see him." Um, Apparently, he, he didn't get the memo that comic book artists are rock stars now. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly, and. Uh, he had somebody who came and talked to him. It was the president of Subaraya, uh, actually came up to him and thanked him for the work that he did. And he was like, Oh, oh my God, what is, you know, why did he, you know, take the time to come and thank me for being a comic book artist and stuff? And somebody mentioned that the, the now president of Subaraya, when he started, uh, in the industry, he was actually a cameraman on Red Man. 
the series Red Man, and he you know worked his way up, and now he's the president of the Su- of Subaraya. And Matt Frank did the Red Man comic book, and so this this guy who's now the president of the company is like, I I'm thankful for you taking the character that I worked on and and making something good out of it and everything. And so it was just really really interesting uh hearing matt frank's experiences about that nathan a really quick question for you are you or aren't you excited for the new marvel ultraman comic i am uh, i am planning on subscribing to it if i can i don't know if they'll ship all the way out here to monster island i've had some issues with amazon in the past <laughs> you know, uh, Jimmy decided to surprise me and he got me the Mill Creek Ultra 7 Blu-ray set for Christmas, but it came late. Ah. <laughs> uh. <laughs> uh, I guess the Amazon drones have a little trouble getting all the way out here to Ogasawara. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, something interesting, because and, and, me and uh, Stephen had covered about that comic book back when it was announced, and I remember... Uh, on uh, on Facebook and on Twitter, a lot of fans were kind of not excited about it. And I was the one who was like saying, hey, no, this this could be good. You guys don't realize that there's a lot of great artists and writers and stuff working for Marvel. And don't just take the company's name and what they represent and who now owns them as, you know, into consideration. Think about the people who are actually doing the work and who care about doing the work. Um, so I've been a big champion for that comic book and, and, you know, uh, been looking forward to it. But in that, in that panel, uh, they mentioned how IDW had actually started working on an Ultraman series and had actually asked Matt Frank to do the art for it. And, Partway into the, into the development of that IDW Ultraman series, Marvel, Disney, comes along and says, no, we want to purchase the rights to it. And so they purchased the rights to it, and it got shut down at IDW, and you know, IDW and Subaraya were like, you know, sorry, we... You know, Disney came with all this money. <laughs> it's like, a, who are we going to go with? Money talks. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, so, Marvel probably uh, wanted to grab it so that they too could have an Ultraman because DC Comics has an Ultraman who actually a- appeared two years before the Japanese Ultraman did. Except the DC right. Ultraman is an evil parallel universe version of Superman. Right, exactly. He's the Earth. Is it Earth 3? Or is one of the... Yeah, he's the Earth. He's from the same universe that the Owl Man uh, is from. That's the evil Batman. Mm-hmm, exactly. The leader of the crime syndicate. Right, which is exactly. The evil Justice League. Yep, and that's the same universe where Lex Luthor and the Joker are good guys. Uh, it's a, it, it is a crazy, crazy comic books. Comic books are weird. <laughs> yes, they are, which is why we love them. <laughs> <laughs> yes, exactly. Well, me and you can talk about comic books. Michael can just kind of, yeah. <laughs> he's already checking out right now. He's probably he's dozing <laughs> off. I can see. <laughs> no, I was checking my Twitter. So <laughs> he's like, they're talking about comic books. I'm going to go look at the social medias. <laughs> oh, that's low. 
<laughs> well, uh, but yeah, I, I mean, I love comic books, and one of the things at Pensacon that I enjoyed was getting to meet the different artists and getting to see different artists. Um, and uh, one of the people that I got to meet was also Mark Maddox. Um, he is an artist, if uh, people are not familiar with his work. He's an award-winning artist who does a lot of monster art. He does a lot of... Um, magazine covers and stuff for like horror magazines and he also does a lot of blu-ray covers um in fact he uh in an interview i do have an interview with him that i recorded where he uh, uh talked about doing the blu-ray art for one of the old frankenstein movies with peter cushing um i forget which one it is now I'll have to re-listen to the interview to find out which one it was. But it's one of the Peter Cushing Frankenstein movies, and that hasn't been released yet, but he did the Blu-ray, uh, the art for the Blu-ray cover for it, and it's supposed to be released later on this year. And so I got to talk to him. Uh, I have, Like I said, I have an interview with him. I do have an interview with Matt Frank uh, that I will include in the episode. Um, I will probably cut to it at some point in this episode. Don't know when. <laughs> um, and uh, the magic of editing. I'll have to go back and edit it in. Um, but yeah, uh, it was a lot of fun. I got to go to a panel about cheesy monster movies uh, that was hosted by uh, Tony Isabella, who is a in the world of comic books, is famous because he is the creator of Black Lightning, of Tigra from the Avengers. Uh, he He's a, a big name in the comic book world. If that's the same guy, I've met him. He came to, I, I think back when I lived in Fort Wayne, Indiana, he came to a little convention there. Yeah, he's he's a really nice guy. Um, but yeah, he's a... He's a um, a lot of people don't don't give him a lot of credit, but he had a lot to do with diversity in comic books because at the time when Black Lightning came out and when Misty Knight came out, there wasn't a lot of representation um, or the representation that was in comic books wasn't good. And so having Black Lightning come out and be leading a comic book, uh, it was the same as like when Stan Lee created, you know, helped create uh, Black Panther. It was just this this time when diversity was suddenly pushed forward and people could read comic books with a, uh, a black main character that they just weren't able to get that before. And so he had a big hand in that. And that's a really wonderful uh, thing. But one of the things... To tie it back in with this podcast, he is a big monster fan, and he loves cheesy monster movies, and so he hosted a panel all about cheesy monster movies, and he listed out, he had a whole bunch of giant monster movies that he listed out, and we talked about, or he talked about on the panel, one of the things that stood out to me, because it's one of my favorite giant monster movies, because of how cheesy it is, is uh, The Night of the Lepus which is with giant bunny rabbits. <laughs> I know. I've been listening to some of your backlog in anticipation of being on the show today, and I remember you going on about that. I actually have a mild interest in seeing that because DeForest Kelly is in it. Yes, exactly. You Let, let, me, let me ask you this. Do you know Monty Python? Oh, heck yes. Okay. <laughs> the killer because rabbit. He's... Bring out the, the holy hand rabbit. grenade. Exactly. That's not a rabbit. 
Oh, that. Okay. You need to be on. <laughs> you need to be on the episode when we talk about Nia the Lepus. Well, I'm... and uh, I, like I said, DeForest Kelly, because before I jumped into the Godzilla and Kaiju fandom, my very first <laughs> fandom, my very first fandom starting at about age three was Star Trek. And I'm oh. still as big a fan of Star Trek as I am anything Godzilla and you're, Tokusatsu. You're speaking my language because I am the exact same way. Uh, now, Godzilla came first for me the because uh, I kind of inherited my Godzilla fandom is how I always like to describe it from my dad. Um, but I also, you know, grew up watching Star Trek and everything. And I, you know, people always talk about uh, and my mom's a huge Star Wars fan and I love Star Wars, too. But I have always been a bigger fan of Star Trek than I am of Star Wars. And so I just, I love it. You're speaking my language now. <laughs> just is, it, is it Klingon? <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> anyway, Michael, you had a question. I did. I, I said, just out of curiosity, do you consider yourself a Trekker or a Trekkie? I prefer Trekker, personally. because I think in wow. part because... I think Trekkie actually may have gotten started as a little bit of a pejorative. And Trekker sounds more proactive than Trekkie to me. Yeah. And and Trekker was the original, too. Yeah, it that was what, you know, fans of Star Trek were called. And then, like you said, Trekkie came up later. And I, I don't think Trekkie is so much a pejorative now, but because I think it may have been used as a pejorative before, it's... I don't think people right. like it quite as much. At least I don't. Um, but yeah, we can go on about Star Trek and Monty Python and and giant rabbits <laughs> forever. <laughs> um, but yeah, it was really interesting. And I, I, I definitely I'm probably going to reach out. Uh, I have his contact information. I'm going to reach out to Tony Isabella and possibly uh, interview him for the podcast in fu- in a future episode because he really is a giant monster fan and he loves talking about giant monsters and uh, it was funny at the panel he was like oh my poor long-suffering wife who has to deal with me watching these movies and he's like any long-suffering wives or or significant others in the audience and my uh, fiance was with me and she raised her hand <laughs> She's like, yep, me, because <laughs> she's not interested in any of this stuff, but she tagged along with me because she knew how much I cared about it, so it was nice. <laughs> I mean, he listed out, like I said, he went through and listed out a bunch of them. I mean, most of them I knew what they were, but some of these ones I had never even heard of. Um, like what? Had, Maybe they're I in had... the vault. I may have seen them as I've walked through. Well, there is, a, did you know that there was a sequel to The Blob? Uh, and I'm not talking about not talking about the remake in the 80s, but an actual sequel. It was made in the early I, 70s, and it went by two different titles. Right, exactly. It was I, I Son actually, of Blob it, or Beware the Blob, because when you look, it, right. it, Beware has an exclamation point in the middle right, of the title. Exactly. Like, who does this? <laughs> right, exactly. I I never knew that that existed, and the Blob is one of my favorite monster movies, and I did not know that that existed. Um, there was another movie that he uh, mentioned that I found on Tubi, which is a an, an app and a website uh, 
movie streaming one that I like to use that's free to use. Um, but it's on there, and he mentioned it in his panel. Uh, From Hell It Came. I've heard the title. Yeah. Yeah, and it's about a person who is murdered or something and he, he comes back as a tree and <laughs> the, yeah it's a it's a it's an old black and white movie and it's about a tree monster and the bad thing is because it, it's supposed to take place on an island uh and all of the islanders quote-unquote islanders are in brown face um so you know it is what it is um I did not know that there was a remake of The 50-Foot Woman starring Daryl Hannah. I think that was... Uh, that, There's been that several versions me. of that, actually. There was also one yes. called Attack of the 60-Foot Centerfold, which I think was Roger Corman. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. Attack of the 60-Foot uh, Centerfold. Um, Attack of the 50-Foot Cheerleader. Uh, yeah, there was a bunch of them. <laughs> yeah, uh, the Roger but... Corman ones are pretty much just softcore porn. Yeah, (laughs) what I understand. (laughs) I've already put. I've already told people I'm not covering porn on the show. So, so, I'm like, don't send me requests for that because that's not happening. (laughs) So that leaves out um, uh, Yeti Giant of the 20th Century. Then (laughs) it does. That's pornographic, (laughs) is it? No, it's it's not. To my favorite description of that movie is it's like a porno that all the sex has been cut out of. (laughs) (laughs) It's so bad. It's so bad, and I cannot wait to cover it on the podcast. (laughs) Oh goodness. (laughs) so but yeah that's some of the fun things that i got to do um one of the things i did get uh along with my picture with akira takarada i got to um get a commission done from matt frank along with the interview with him and i i hate getting commissions at cons because i always freeze up and i'm like i don't know what to get i don't know what i don't know what to ask you to do because i'm like you could i don't know i don't know but I thought about it before I asked Matt Frank, and I was like, you know what? I want you to do a Godzuki drawing <laughs> in your course. style. <laughs> exactly. Because it's like, I've who would have ever asked Matt Frank to do Godzuki? Like, that is a one-of-a-kind. Yeah, me, right. That is a one-of-a-kind thing. You are never going to find that I actually wanted to try something like that with a comic book artist, George Perez. He visited Uh, a a Indiana Comic-Con several years ago. And I had Mm -hmm. already gotten the commission from him before, but it was an obvious commission. I had him do Captain America because Captain America is one of my favorite superheroes. So Uh, the second time I was telling my buddies, like, I'm going to have him draw one of his more obscure characters because I think mm-hmm. he only ever drew this character in two issues of a comic book, and it was for uh, a short-lived indie label. Okay. Uh, Malibu Comics, back in the early 90s. Oh, yeah. I know Malibu. I was going to have him draw Nightman. Oh, wow. Because he drew Nightman in the one, because Malibu's superhero universe was short-lived, but they were right. around long enough that they did a they did do one crossover event. And... 
George Perez did the artwork for that. So, and Nightman was in it briefly. So I was going to have him draw Nightman. Unfortunately, I wasn't able to get through ah. the line fast enough to get the commission. So, oh well. I'm still waiting. I'm still waiting to get to a some I don't even know who I would get to do it. Um, but I'm waiting to find a a comic book artist that I get to meet and commission to do a Streaky the Supercat. Uh, <laughs> I love Streaky. I would be the weirdo who would do something like ask Matt Frank to draw Ultraman Powered because I have a weird soft spot for that shit. Right. <laughs> <laughs> it's, I mean, I get it. The criticisms of the show right. are legitimate. The fight scenes are right. a little underwhelming, but the production values are great. It's an American show, which is cool. And Ultraman Powered is proportioned like an American superhero. I'm just saying right. he looks really cool. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, there, there is something. So I, and for listeners who are maybe new, who joined us because of monster Island film vault. Um, the reason why I wanted Matt Frank to do a Godzuki on top of it, just being super unique. Um, uh, because I mean, how, how many times does he draw Godzilla? I mean, come on. It's like, I don't want to get a Godzilla for Matt Frank. He does Godzilla all the time. I want to do something unique, but also the podcast, this podcast, we use Godzuki as our rating system for rating and reviewing movies. Uh, we always review movies out of five Godzukis. And I told Matt Frank that and he laughed so hard. And then he's like, okay, well, do you want a goofy looking God Godzuki or do you want a mean looking Godzuki? And I was just like, surprise me, just do it in your style. <laughs> and so I am going to share that picture on social media, uh, to show everyone who's interested what a Matt Frank designed and drawn Godzuki would look like. <laughs> what you need to do next time you get a commission from Matt Frank is have him do Godzuki and all the rest of the Godzilla offspring. So they're all right. <laughs> you know, yes. have Godzuki and Minya and baby Godzilla. And is that all of them? I think that's all of them. Well, yeah, Godzilla Jr., yeah. So, yeah, Godzilla, we'll get the, yeah, I get the Zilla Juniors from the 98 movie. I was like, one's Right, exactly. You know? <laughs> <laughs> Just get them all in there. That would be awesome. I would love it. I would love it. Uh, I am the, I am a weirdo like that. I like weird things. Like I said, one of my favorite super, well, not superheroes, but one of my favorite comic book characters is Streaky the Super Cat, uh, which is, which is, uh, uh, Supergirl's pet cat who had all the powers of Superman. <laughs> Why not? Superman so. had crypto. <laughs> exactly. Well, there was an entire, uh, super pets like thing because there was the the welcome to the silver age of comic books <laughs> exactly there was there was the super monkey there was uh comet the super horse which wasn't even a horse <laughs> he was like a, a man that got turned into a centaur that got turned into a horse or something like that i don't even remember what exactly the story is but he was like wasn't even an actual horse <laughs> you know what this was a time when superman could shoot rainbows from his fingers so <laughs> Right, exactly. So yeah, I like weird stuff like that, and I especially love Hanna-Barbera. I'm a big Hanna-Barbera fan, so getting Matt Frank to do a Godzuki was just a highlight for the entire weekend. A highlight for my life, really. Just I, I'm I'm going to put it in a frame and just hang it up, hang it up in my office because it is just 
so nice. I love it. I love it so much. It was my favorite thing. Um, but yeah, so that was just a recap of the things that happened to me at, uh, at Pensacon. Um, got a lot of good photos, got a lot of, uh, you know, just fun things. And like I said, representing Kaiju Weekly, getting to meet uh, people who were Kaiju fans and talking to them. And that kind of leads into our main topic, which is we're already an hour into this recording and we're getting to the main topic. <laughs> well, and before we get to that, I do want to let you know, uh, Travis, if it entices you to come visit me on the island, Godzuki is here. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Kazuki! Yes! Yes, I'd be there. Well, you know, they they did, uh, had a, they, there was a screenshot that went around, because I missed it when it was in the movie, but I, there was a screenshot that went around from Godzilla King of the Monsters from 2019 that in the destruction of Boston is a boat that is called the Calico. And which is the boat from the the Hanna Barbera series, and so I'm like, does that mean Godzuki is canon in the in the monster verse? <laughs> I'm just trying yeah, to figure. Shown, uh, I'm just trying to figure out how he's his nephew because that implies Godzilla has a brother or a sister. I'm just saying. <laughs> right, right, but also has wings for some reason. <laughs> eh, he's an atomic mutant. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, what were you gonna say, Michael? I was just gonna say. Um... Honestly, I forgot what I was going to say. Now, uh, oh, uh, oh, well, oh, Nathan, I was going to ask you when Travis uh, does the episode on Attack of the Killer Tomatoes, can I ask you for a day pass to the island? Because I know I probably set that one out. I can get you one. We have several levels of tickets. If you know, just to let you know, <laughs> my my core group is I call them the golden ticket tourists because you know th that just lets them come whenever they want. <laughs> it never expires. So yeah. nice. So yeah, I can get you yeah. one here. Although I have actually seen Attack of the Killer Tomatoes. It's awesome. <laughs> It is one of the most insane farces I have ever seen. I now it's exactly. been years. It's been years since I've seen it, and I've also seen the first sequel. I have not. There's what three sequels? I forget. Um, I, think, I can't remember if there's no, three or there's four only, of those. But I've seen the first one? sequel that has the the furry tomato. No, uh, it has. Dang it! Now his name is escaping me. He's a big star now. He was on ER and he was Batman. George Clooney. Yeah. Yeah. That was the one with the furry tomato. Yeah. That one, that one had the furry tomato in it. That was the one I was talking about. Yeah. Yeah. George Clooney was in that one. It's so crazy that George Clooney was in a attack of the killer tomatoes. Uh, as far as I know, there's only one actual sequel to attack of the killer tomatoes, but there was a TV show that came out. I th want to say there are four of those movies, which I'm sure is really? driving yeah. Michael crazy right now. <laughs> Yeah, I have to go look that up because I I, I only knew of the one sequel. Yeah, Google it. Um, Google it right. Yeah, yeah. Google it. <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna Google it right now because I am interested in this. I went into that movie, Nathan, with an open mind and knowing that it was gonna be a farce the whole time. And actually, to be honest, I had a lot of fun with it. Um, is it top tier for me? Probably not, but, uh, <laughs> but it's, it's fun. It's fun. If you just want to watch something silly and have a good laugh. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the thing, the thing is, is people laugh at it or, or will like, 
uh, brush it off because of the title, Attack of the Killer Tomatoes. Sounds so ridiculous. But that's the point. It is... Yeah, it is a comedy. It is a farce. It is a parody of monster movies of the time. And so it, if you go in with the mentality of, uh, if, if anybody, listeners, if you're not familiar with Airplane or any of those movies, it is, it is like that. The Naked Gun, it is, it is, the only thing that's missing is Leslie Nielsen. If Leslie Nielsen was in Attack of the Killer Tomatoes, it would have pushed it over the edge of that the That would ages. have actually pushed it into mainstream. Exactly. Exactly. Let's see. I suddenly <laughs> want that. I suddenly want that movie. Leslie Nielsen in Attack of the Killer Tomatoes. And you're right. There are three sequels. I only knew of the one. How did I only know of the I one? I'm so sorry, Michael. You want me to get you? A, oh my you want me to get you a season pass? Because this might be happening a lot. Please. <laughs> I, well, actually, no, I take that back. I did know about Killer Tomatoes Eat France. I did know about that one. I, I don't remember did. the titles. I just knew there were four, uh, four of them. Yeah. Attack of the Killer Tomatoes, Return of the Killer Tomatoes, Killer Tomatoes Eat France, and I forget what the other one is. Uh, Killer Tomatoes Strike Back. Strike Back. Of course they strike back. Everything <laughs> Right, <back>. exactly. <laughs> exactly. Like so, the Empire, yeah. they strike back. <laughs> But, you know, the thing about Attack of the Killer Tomatoes, uh, the, the second one, Return of the Killer Tomatoes, is they really took the, the standpoint of, they basically did Gremlins 2. Uh, because they were like, hey, this movie, well, which actually probably, I think it predates Gremlins 2, actually. But, you know, it was, it's the standpoint of, we're never going to capture the magic of the original one. So let's just go way off and just do something completely different and just have fun with it. And they did that with the sequel. I mean, there are tomato soldiers. There's a hairy tomato. There's a tomato that turns into a woman. There's George Clooney. And then there's this entire section of the movie where George Clooney and them break the fourth wall because they are running out of money. And so they need to put add more... uh product placement into the movie and so it's just like it is so ridiculous uh listeners it's kind of spoiled now but for uh april fool's day for april 1st it falls on a wednesday so our episode that week for that day is going to be uh, attack of the killer tomatoes and we are supposed to have a special guest on for that we have a podcaster who uh host co-hosts the uh cult popture uh, podcast and he is supposed to be joining us on that episode and he does a lot of franchises he does like big franchises and stuff they talk about on their podcast and he was like well make sure that when i'm on there we don't cover a movie that i might have already covered on our podcast i'm like well i don't think you've covered this one <laughs> this is kind of a this one's kind of a weird <laughs> And I figure, what better way to play an April Fool's prank on someone than to make them watch Attack of the Killer Tomatoes and review it? <laughs> you better hope he's not listening right now. Ah, <laughs> uh, he... Yeah. If he is... Hi, Alex. <laughs> Guess what? <laughs> anyway, oh, we had a main topic. Yes, Yes, we did. Okay, uh, Michael, you take over because we're we're getting we're getting crazy here. So you take over. I will <laughs> gladly take over. <laughs> <laughs> 
but no, I, I think all that all that was really good, and it actually leads into uh, something you said or something you said earlier in the conversation, uh, Travis. I about forgot your name for a second. I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> what in the heck? <laughs> oh, anyway, the I'm the one dealing with Trev. What the heck? You have no excuse. <laughs> Well, I was gone for one week and he forgot who I was. I didn't eat my Wheaties this morning. <laughs> but um, our main topic is state of the fandom. Basically, uh, we're in the middle of this huge kaiju tokusatsu renaissance right now with uh, the MonsterVerse, what, happened, what, uh, what Toho was doing with Shin Godzilla and the anime series, and now we've got Mill Creek. Uh, throwing their hat into the ring with all the Ultraman stuff. Last year, we got the Criterion Collection. We've got Gamera coming. Uh, and I imagine there's a ton more that I'm not even thinking about right uh, now. I think but, Shout um, Factory just got their mitts on Common Rider, if I remember correctly. Okay. Whoa. Or at the oh, very yeah. least, August Ragone was making it sound kind of like that. And uh, one of the questions that we posted to the Kaiju Groupie Facebook group uh, was what does kaiju tokusatsu mean to you? And we got a ton of answers, but I'm going to let uh, Nathan start us off since he's our very, very special guest. Um, and how did you get into this fandom and what has kept you around for so long? That's actually interesting. The I actually got into it. Well, I, I guess my introduction to tokusatsu was Power Rangers. I did have a short-lived Power Rangers fandom, but quickly outgrew yes. it. I think I might have been right on the cusp of what would have been you know, the best age to get into it. Plus, I will admit, eventually the controversy that you know, parents had with it about it being too violent eventually got to me, and mm -hmm. I just didn't want to deal with it anymore. But I think ultimately it was just because I just kind of outgrew it. And then later on in high school... My all the pop culture references to Godzilla just finally piqued my interest, and I just thought, you know what, I want to look into this. What in the heck is this thing? And then I remember, I have very distinct memories. I'm trying to remember if it was a Kmart, which no longer exists, <laughs> or a Walmart, where I found a VHS two pack that had, interestingly, the Godzilla King of the Monsters and Godzilla versus Megalon. And keep in mind, before this, I had seen Terror of Mechagodzilla on TV when I visited my grandmother. So, mm -hmm. you know, that it was another thing that piqued my interest. And it's just been, it's snowballed since then. Then I just started grabbing every single Godzilla film that I could after that. I think initially the, the fantasy of the whole thing was what interests me. You know, Godzilla versus Megalon is a little Power Ranger-esque in a lot of ways. Mm -hmm. uh, so that helped. And that was, I remember showing that to a few of my friends, completely unaware of just how much stock footage was in the dang thing. <laughs> and, and I mean, I was aware of the intended deeper meanings behind the original film, but I never got a chance to see Godzilla 54 until much later, you know, the original Japanese mm -hmm. version. And so I knew there was a tremendous amount of meaning in that one, but for the longest time, unfortunately, I only really saw them as guilty pleasures. They were fun. They were colorful. They were exciting, but not necessarily 
meaningful cinema, I guess you could say. And then, like I said, thanks to my work on Kaiju Vision, I, I realized there's a lot more to these than I thought. And for me, these films like that, not only are they fun, but they can provide a door through which you can learn about other things, whether that be history or other cultures. And it provides a very interesting window. People don't realize that even pop cultural things are reflections of the cultures in which they were made. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And I just going along with that, I was thinking of, you know, one of the things that I learned uh, a lot of Greek history and Greek mythology from was the Harryhausen films, you know, the uh, Jason and the Argonauts and, uh, uh, Wrath of the or Attack of the Titans, um, or Clash of the Titans. I mean, um, Attack on Titan. <laughs> um, but uh, but Clash of the Titans. Uh, you know that that I learned a lot about you know Greek history or Greek mythology through that, and then you know you learn a little bit more as you know when you go to school and you learn you have to learn some of that stuff in school. Um, so yeah, you're right. Some of those things uh, can be gateways into learning uh, about cultures and and histories and stuff that you were not aware of i mean just to give you an example this is one of the you know, one of the first things that really struck me when i was on kaiju vision godzilla versus mechagodzilla 1974 mm-hmm. okay on the surface it just seems like a flashy sci-fi action movie you know yeah right you know that got a fair amount of money th- thrown at it because 20th anniversary film for godzilla what people don't realize is that you know that movie takes place in okinawa just a couple years before that movie was made, Okinawa was returned to Japan by the United States. Mm-hmm. So this was Toho making a Godzilla film for Okinawans, essentially. Which yeah. is interesting because Okinawa didn't have a very good relationship with the mainland either. Because the mainland mm. had a history of imposing themselves upon it. Because the Okin- Okinawa and that whole region of islands, the, the Ryuk the Ryukyu Islands, they were their mm-hmm. own kingdom at one point. And then the mainland annexed them and claimed them. And then after, after World War II, the United, the Americans took control of them and then gave them back in the early 70s. That's why you have King Caesar, who's actually a Shisa statue. He's modeled after mm-hmm. Shisa statues, which are very indicative of Okinawan culture. They're like gargoyles right. in Okinawan culture which is why King Caesar is a guardian monster. So what do you have in this movie? You have Godzilla, who, you know, is the Japanese monster joining forces with King Caesar, the Okinawan monster to defeat an invader. Oh, wow. So it's, it's kind of this symbolic way of showing the, you know, hopefully the now better relationship between Okinawa and the mainland. Yeah. That's really interesting. Uh, I know um, with when Michael was on the podcast originally, one of the first things that uh, news items that we talked about was uh, in Ultra Seven how they left off episode twelve uh, from the original, uh, and I didn't understand why. I was like, I don't know why they why they did this. And looking that up, it's like, oh wow, I learned about this whole side of Japan that I did not know about, and these people who were marginalized and mistreated for so long. Yeah, he uh, 
Right. Yeah. And so I that was one of the topics I covered in my independent study with for Honda. Yeah, that's that's good because uh, that is a side of that that culture, that history, the those people that I had never known about, and I kind of was. Uh, I think me and uh, Michael had even said that one of the things that you know Mill Creek and and Subaraya leaving off that episode is doing is drawing it's drawing attention to something that was not a good thing at that time period and is still kind of going on that that discrimination and marginal marginalization um uh is all, still going on and so uh i just i i i think that's really interesting i like the your perspective of these movies that you can learn about people and culture and stuff through them yeah i mean each each film seems to be just a a history, a historical lesson in just kind of what was going on at the time in terms of Japanese politics and and sometimes, you know, a lot of times world politics as well. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what I find super interesting about, uh, especially some of the older films, some of the films that came out uh, in the fifties uh, and sixties, it was just sort of a reflection of that political culture and that political climate at the time. And uh, I hear people, in the group all the time saying, why does everything have to be so political in these films? It's like, well, you have to think about it. You have to think about what was going on at that point in the, in Japanese history and uh, to really understand why those films are the way they are. One film that we reviewed Travis that I thought was super interesting because of what they left of how much they left in and instead of taking it out was Frankenstein, uh, Frankenstein versus Baragon, AKA Frankenstein conquers the world. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm actually kind of surprised that they left some of the, uh, the Nazi world war two elements in yeah. the movie. They Honda makes no qualms about connecting Imperial Japan to Nazi Germany in that movie. It's mm-hmm. a little astonishing. I, the first time I watched that movie, it was surreal honestly i was not <laughs> expecting that yeah yeah and and you know we talk about these older movies but even more modern ones like uh, you know godzilla 1985 or 1984 uh, godzilla returns uh you have this storyline about russia and america kind of competing against each other and and japan being stuck in the middle and that's kind of the situation that was going on in the world at that time because japan was taking you know after world war ii japan kind of took a uh side of we're going to not get involved in uh the superpowers and their and their conflicts and kind of be a more neutral figure in in uh um or non-active figure in the world stage and then you have these two, you know, superpowers who were, you know, facing off in the Cold War at the time. And then you throw in Godzilla <laughs> and it's kind of this interesting story. That film is fascinating because there I can't think of too many Cold War era movies that show the Cold War from a perspective that isn't the superpowers. And you have to watch right. the original Japanese version. They muck it up in the in the US. Oh right. Oh yeah, of course. Yeah. <laughs> but even yeah, in the Japanese yeah. version, it's amazingly nuanced. And I do still think when you watch the Japanese version, there is still Japan is still leaning a little bit more toward the United States when you watch this film because it's but it's a couple of small things. For one thing, the Soviet ambassador 
seems a lot pushier than the American ambassador in that film. Even though they're saying the same thing, and the prime minister tells both of them, Japan is standing firm. The you know, the Soviet ambassador still seems pushier, and the Soviets still have a nuke that they smuggled into Japanese into a Japanese harbor. And the Americans didn't do that. Now, in the American cut of that movie, you find out the Americans have an orbital nuclear platform, but right, you know, <laughs> which they cut out in the U.S. version because they didn't want the Americans to look that aggressive. But you know, right, I could go on. <laughs> I spent two episodes yeah. of Kaiju Vision talking about both of those, uh, both versions of that movie. But yeah, just, yeah. Oh my gosh, there's so much that could be said about it. As I say, I think that's probably what draws me to this fandom and and just sort of the franchises within it in general is because of of how culturally relevant they are. Uh, they may not seem it like to to an to someone who's just coming in. I feel uh, I've had several conversations with folks just saying, "Hey, I I like some of the newer stuff from like the Millennium era up." but I just can't get into the Showa era. There's just something about it. And I don't know if it's because some, some of the more cultural political elements are a little bit heavier in those films that just turn folks off or, or what, but that's one of the reasons why I like it. And, and when I came in early on, Nathan, I came in similar to you, Power Rangers, 1992, the original series that ran from, I think it was 92 or 93 up into 99. I fell off around, um, uh, Lost Galaxy is where I fell off, mm. and then I grew up. had to be in middle, had to be in high school, middle school, and I quickly found out that uh, liking Godzilla and kaiju and giant monsters didn't get you a whole lot of dates. Right. So, um, <laughs> liking nerdy things in general in the nineties didn't true. wasn't conducive right. to that. that. True. Which is why it it's kind of weird now that nerd things are mainstream. <laughs> yeah, which I think is so interesting uh, about this topic that we're we're discussing for this week is how we're kind of going through this kaiju and tokusatsu renaissance because uh, growing up in the '90s for me, uh, like you said, there you know you. It wasn't just Godzilla and and those things, but it was also comic books. It was also Star Wars. It was also uh, Star Trek. Anything that was nerdy, you were made fun of for liking and. Now to see so many people openly and in so so passionately uh, showing their love for these things is is amazing to me. I love seeing all of these kaiju fans now because when I was growing up, I was kind of isolated in my area. We didn't have other people around who liked Godzilla or liked uh, tokusatsu stuff. And uh, so it was just me. And when my dad was around, it was me and my dad and that was it. And, you know, I didn't really interact with other people who were fans of this thing until I got older and actually saw these communities of people who liked Godzilla and liked these tokusatsu things. And then, and started connecting with them and then i started finding out it's like oh you you didn't like uh final wars i i didn't know i you know i thought final wars was really good <laughs> you know it's like I you am start glad learning I'm not the only one because i will tell <laughs> you ever since i started getting more involved on the internet i just mm -hmm. the final wars hate baffles me because I loved yeah. that movie from the first time I saw it. Yeah, I, I loved it when I saw it. <laughs> yeah, 
discovering that. I, I I found the movie on DVD at a Walmart. I was a senior in college, and mm-hmm. yeah, I had had a terrible semester. Just so much crap had happened to me, and it was right before Christmas. And I saw that, and I thought, you know what? I'm buying it right now. <laughs> I need some Godzilla in my life. <laughs> some new Godzilla in my life. Right. And so I picked it up, took it back to. I was living in a a, a, a student apartment at the time that the college had, and I. Stuck it in and I watched it, loved every single little second of it. And then I contacted one of my church buddies who was, you didn't go to the school. And I said, dude, you need to come see this with me. This is one of the most nerdtastic movies I have ever seen. Uh (laughs) And then he came over and we, and I watched it again with him and he loved every second of it. Right. Yeah. It's like, that's how I was. I'm like, I love this movie. And then you, then you, you know, get online and you actually finally, now that the internet, you know, exists and now that these things are becoming mainstream, you connect with other fans and then you realize, oh, oh, no, uh, a lot of people didn't like that movie. <laughs> I get it and I don't. I, I look at Final Wars as a, 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 a Valentine to the fans that's had too much Red Bull. <laughs> that's what it is. Right, exactly. That is what that movie is. And here's a hot take for you right now. I would make the argument that Final Wars in some ways is better than Destroy All Monsters. Bring it. Hmm. <laughs> hmm. I'm not disagreeing with you, but it's something I have to... <laughs> The first, time I, the first time I saw Destroy All Monsters, I think I was in high school also. Um, I found it was on the Sci-Fi Network, the old Sci-Fi Network, before they changed before they changed their name to Seafy. Yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah, before they changed their name, uh, it was the old Sci-Fi Network, and they actually did play science fiction like monster movies. But mm-hmm. I caught Destroy All Monsters on. It was like eleven o'clock at night. It was some obscure time. And I watched it. I watched it up until 1 a.m. and loved every second of it. It's still, to this day, one of my favorite Showa-era movies to date. Now, and one thing that got me started mm-hmm. you know, in the Showa era and in Godzilla in general was, uh, Nathan, I don't know if – I'm not sure how old you are, but do you remember – uh, the old the old TNT network and they had uh, Monster Vision. I think it was like Monster Vision ninety four or something. Uh, like I, that. I've heard of it, but unfortunately, I grew up without cable, so I never got to watch it. Okay, I got yeah. you. It was basically this this marathon that ran through New Year's Eve and New Year's Day, and they they had like thirty movies. Now, thirty it wasn't actually thirty movies because they played this the, they played the same fifteen films over and over and over. Uh, but one of the best memories I had as a kid was I started watching it with my dad and, um, I was, you know, I was too tired to stay up. And so my mom and dad, God rest, you know, God rest mom's soul. Um, she, she and my dad stayed up all night, took shifts and recorded every single, uh, film that was different. Your parents love you. (laughs) <laughs> yes <laughs> yeah. and that was my very first Godzilla collection and it kind of just, uh, spit, just kind of steamrolled into you know the toys and sort of like later on in life uh, SH Monster Arts NECA X Plus you know stuff like that but that was you know to have that memory that's why I'm a fan because it just it, it sounds hokey and it sounds cheesy but you know it was my parents that helped me get into Godzilla and it'll always sort of just be a soft spot for me. 
Yeah, and uh, we're going back to uh, Destroy All Monsters, for me growing up, uh, because I didn't grow up with cable either, uh, so the uh, only time that I saw these Godzilla movies was when my dad would buy the VHSs, and, and he watched them when he was younger, and so he knew about them, and so I think the I, I, and it's hard for me to say what my first Godzilla movie was, because it's just been a part of my life for as long as I can remember. But I'm wanting to say that my first one was probably either Son of Godzilla or uh, Godzilla versus the Sea Monster. It was probably one of those two because those were so, those were some of the older VHSs that were uh, that I had uh, that my dad had bought. But with Destroy All Monsters, I remember my dad always telling me because I loved Godzilla and I loved all the monsters and stuff. And I remember my dad always telling me, he's like, yeah, well, there was this movie that had all of the monsters come together and they all fought together uh, against Ghidorah. Except for Kong. Yeah, except for Kong. uh, (laughs) They missed it by a year. (laughs) You're right. But with, with, um, with Destroy All Monsters, we could never find it on VHS. It was a movie that just, we never were able to. It was the one Godzilla movie that ev- uh, from the Showa era that we could never find on VHS. That one and Hedorah, we could never find on VHS. And so... I remember I remember being, being a, a, a whippersnapper and uh-huh. scouring eBay trying to find Godzilla versus Hedera for not a pound of flesh. <laughs> right yeah yeah when i was in high school i did yeah when when i was in high school i did start you know uh purchasing some of the old vhs's and stuff uh through ebay and start getting them but but yeah destroy all monsters for the longest time when i was growing up was this mythic thing that was like oh i i just i i've never seen it but i've heard so many things about it from my dad of how great this movie is and everything and so I finally watch it and I'm like, oh, it, you know, it's still good. I still love the movie, but it's just like, oh, okay. I think I kind of built it up in my head of a lot, of, <laughs> a lot more than it actually was. <laughs> uh, before we kind of move on to the next phase of this topic, I want to go ahead and read out uh, one of the responses we got because, like I said, we did post the question uh, to the Kaiju Groupie Facebook group. And I also asked a few of our podcasting friends uh, around the community, you know, what got them started, why they love the fandom. And I'm going to read one here from uh, Eric at, Mon- at the Monsters vs. Men podcast. Um, Kaiju fandom means connecting with something literally and figuratively bigger than yourself. Despite backgrounds, the fans are gen- uh, generally, uh, genuinely, I'm sorry, come together in appreciation of a rather niche source, Giant Monsters. I'm a new fan, so I can't speak to say I can't speak to staying a fan through the years. But I can say that creating a uh, creating material and trying to be a unifying voice keeps me energized as a newer fan in the franchise. Yeah, and that's that's great. That's a great um, perspective to hear from because. Uh, especially what I always like to say is that Kaiju Weekly is for people who have been long-term fans and people who are new. And Eric is was a newbie to, or he is a newbie because he still fairly recently got into it, but now he's watched probably more movies than some of the actual long-time fans <laughs> on his podcast. One of the things that I've been trying to do on my podcast is I have a rotating roster of co-hosts, and mm-hmm. 
initially, when I was planning for the podcast, I wanted it to be people who weren't as familiar with right uh, with the genre with the franchise so that way you could have the perspective of a super fan and someone who's seeing it for the first time and you know I've, I've expanded since then and i've brought in more veterans of the genre which has proven to actually be very good i've been astonished at it's providential is what i've been saying it's just providential how well i have selected my co-hosts for each of these main episodes but the i it was it's really interesting listening to the first big discussion episode which was King Kong 33 and i had four co-hosts the, my core group of co-hosts and by some act of god i was the only one in that group who had ever seen the movie before so it's a fascinating listen to be honest so you've got me yeah. the, running the running the conversation and we had just seen the movie, and so all four of my co-hosts were giving their very fresh perspectives <laughs> on the film. Yeah. So. Oh, wow. Yeah. Well, when I started Kaiju Weekly, now, uh, the episodes are no longer up because I restarted and relaunched the podcast. But um, but when I first started Kaiju Weekly, I kind of had the same idea. Uh, me and my friend Jake um, started it, and he had never really watched any giant monster movies and i of course was a fan of giant monster movies and so when we started we started uh out doing that same thing and then you know life got in the way and we weren't able to continue doing the podcast and then had steven uh approach me and uh we started talking about starting the podcast back up uh and steven is a big kaiju fan um so that uh that's how I was going to go about it. And it is really interesting hearing a, the perspective of the outside voice. And I'm glad that there are podcasts out there who do it, like Monsters vs. Men and other podcasts out there who do take that uh, route in the way that they do their podcast and the way they review their movies. But I do like hearing from people who are longtime fans too and it is it's interesting because the way that these especially godzilla because godzilla is one that like we mentioned is one of the longest running uh franchises there people come into the godzilla franchise at different times and different eras and they their exposure to it is different so even with long-term fans you have such different ways of approaching the godzilla movies and that's just, it's so interesting to hear, you know, everybody's viewpoint on these movies. Um, There's no real uh, wrong way to enjoy these films, I don't think. Uh, right. I mean, like you said, everyone comes in at a different point in their life. It, it really doesn't matter uh, if you're coming in at, you know, uh, the, during the MonsterVerse or if you've been a fan for 65 years. Uh, the entire franchise. It doesn't really matter. I mean, as long as you appreciate uh, sort of what these films are trying to say and, and what your uh, some of the messaging and 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 just the work, just the just the the effort that went into creating these films. I mean, uh, not to uh, not to be overly dramatic, but you know they are works of art uh, that you that we get to enjoy. Some more than others. Yeah, well, yeah, that's true. <laughs> yeah, but and that's why I take such issue. And there was, there's been some talk in the fandom about this, but gatekeeping, 
Right. It, it drives me insane. The attitude shouldn't be, well, you're not a real fan. You just came in because you saw Godzilla 2014 or King of the Monsters. Right. Or, you, know, you don't know nearly as much as... You know what the response really should be? It should be, my gosh, you have a wonderful journey ahead of you. If there's anything mm-hmm. I can do to help you on that journey, please let me know. That's yeah. what yeah. the attitude yeah. should be. Yeah, exactly. And taking it back to like Star Trek is, you know, I I've, I say I'm such a big Star Trek fan. I have I'm a bigger Star Trek fan than I am of Star Wars, but. It wasn't until recently that I started learning what the different ships, like the Enterprise D and the Enterprise E and the Enterprise A and all these, you know, what what the difference between them were and what class of ships they were. And there are people out there who they can speak Klingon fluently. And it's like, you know, if you're that type of person who is that deep into it, who knows every detail about something, that's fantastic. That's fantastic. But me, I'm still a huge Star Trek fan, and I don't know all the details about these things. I can't remember episode names and, you know, and stuff and titles, but I still love it. And we don't get the gatekeeping in the kaiju community as much as you do in, like, the Star Wars community or the comic book community. I... I another hot take here for you i think it's the star wars community is the worst it really is yeah it that is the yeah. most factional fandom i have ever seen and i'm gonna leave it at that because i may rant for a long time about it yeah and and, and the comic book community like i said is is just as bad and there has been a lot of gatekeeping over the years of oh you don't know this particular you know event that happened in comic book history so you are not really a fan because you don't know this and it's like who cares who cares if, if they like something i i had a discussion with someone on the uh, uh kaiju groupie facebook group uh listeners if you're not in that group already, you need to go and check it out because this is the kind of official, unofficial uh, podcast <laughs> of that uh, Facebook group, and it's a great Facebook group. Um, but I, I had a discussion with someone who, when we were having, uh, Michael, when we were having the Goji Madness, the Go- uh, the Godzilla Madness, and all of the uh, different Godzillas are facing off against each other in the bracket, and we were voting on them, and somebody took issue with the names and the nicknames that fans were giving them, you know, like you have Desu Goji or uh, Masu Goji, you know, you have those those nicknames that fans give them to differentiate the different suits and the different designs. And he's like, but they're all it's all Godzilla. It's all one, you know, monster. So why have different names? And it's like, dude, it doesn't matter what you call them. If I want to call Godzilla Bob. <laughs> and I'm like, and who cares if I call him Bob? It doesn't mean I don't love Bob any less than you love Bob. We all love Bob. That's why we're here. So let's just celebrate our God's love so for Bob. To be retitled with the name Bob now. <laughs> Bob. Bob. Bob versus Biolante. <laughs> Mothra versus Bob. Bob versus Gaiden. Bob, <laughs> Bob raids again. <laughs> yeah, but it's but it's true. It's like who cares how I interact or how you interact with it? It's your love of the thing that that makes you a fan. It doesn't matter how you interact with it. Uh, yeah, you don't have to be the deepest. I don't. I don't think you have to be. There's a there's a section of the fandom where 
they know the lore, they know the mythology, they even know some of the history, and there's like these uber fans. There's these guys that just know, that seem to know every single facet of the franchise. And then you've got other people on the other side of the spectrum that just enjoy monster fights. I mean, it's just that simple. Yeah. Um, I mean, yeah. it, like I said, there's not a wrong way. There's definitely not a wrong way to enjoy these films because, uh, like you said, like I think we've talked about on the podcast before, Travis, you sort of have to be a, a bit weird to even be in this fandom anyway. You have to be right. sort of bent that, you have to have a sort of bend to really deep dive and enjoy these films for what they are. That's why I kind of, that's why I really appreciate uh, what David does, David and Chris over the Kaiju Apostle. And they saw oh, those guys are wonderful. Yeah. Oh, they absolutely are. They're tremendous guys. I talked to David on a, on a pretty frequent, pretty frequently uh, throughout the week. And, and basically what they do is just, they look at these films from a theological perspective. So, and as a Bible believing Christian myself, I really, really appreciate that. Yeah, and uh, mm-hmm. I act, I'm a Bible believing Christian myself. I maybe I've only said that a few times on the podcast, but the you know I, I do take my faith very seriously. Thankfully, we have a chaplain here on the on the island. Well, I'm not mm-hmm. on the island. I'm not there on the island currently. See, jet lag. Anyway, <laughs> that's just gonna be my excuse for everything. Jet lag. Anyway, so. The you know, so hearing them talking about these things and they offer some very interesting perspectives that even I hadn't quite considered in all my time, which is why I'm not going to reveal quite yet. But the I'm hoping to do a panel with those two guys at G Fest this year. That's as much as I'll say oh, nice. right now because nothing's okay. for sure quite yet. Right. That's nice. That'd be interesting. Yeah, they have a very unique perspective that they bring to it. Um, I am fascinated at the number of uh, people who, um, you know, re- the number of people who are religiously inclined who are brought into the kaiju community that are, you know, who are attracted to the kaiju uh, movies is really interesting to me uh, because it seems like there's more than, you know, what other uh, fandoms that I've been a part of. Uh, So I find that really interesting. Uh, I'm going to read out another response that we got from the kaiju groupie Facebook group about, uh, or to the question, you know, what does the kaiju and tokusatsu fandom mean to you? And uh, Adrian Settle uh, said, the fun. He's like, I'm a kaiju fan because of how fun it is being one. Watching giant monsters destroy cities and fight each other is just plain awesome. And also the great people in the fandom is what brought me back to loving it so much. So there we go. We have someone who's just just in it for the fun. And I, I think that's one of the things when I was talking to Matt Frank and Mark Maddox about the podcast and kind of giving them a rundown of the podcast that they were going to be interviewed on. <laughs> um, I explained to them that we on this podcast, there are, there are podcasts who do deep dives like Monster Island Film Vault, how you'll do a deep dive into it or, or like David Marshall with the Kaiju Apostle podcast, how uh, they'll do a deep dive. And there are, there are podcasts who will nitpick movies and will nitpick every little thing about a uh about these movies but the the 
stance that me and Steven took when we decided to relaunch Kaiju Weekly was, let's just celebrate them. Let's just have fun. Let's not shy away from the goofy or the silly or the dumb side to these movies, because there are some dumb side to these movies. There are some crazy, silly, and that's one of the reasons why we use Godzuki, the bumbling, dumb nephew of, of Godzilla on a cartoon, as our rating system, because it's like, why shy away from it? Why hide the, the silly crazy dumb side of these things instead let's embrace all aspects of it this is a genre where super monster gamera exists right i don't know why it exists but it exists the pooper monster that's one of my my favorite things the pooper monster (laughs) someone partaked way too much when they made that film yeah yeah definitely and i mean that movie and that's why this this podcast that's why we're going to cover things like attack of the killer tomatoes and night of the lepus and things like that because it's like why shy away from the sillier dumber things let's just have fun let's have fun with it because that's what these things these movies are i think a lot of people like we were talking about the star wars fandom and you know other fandoms a lot of times people who grow up um you know, they 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 start loving this stuff as kids, and then they grow up. They lose the excitement and the fun that they had when they were kids. Let's you know, let's bring it back to when you were a kid and you just had fun with these. You didn't care that you know this this version of Godzilla looks a little bit different than that version of Godzilla. That this suit looks a little bit weirder than that suit. You just had fun with it. It was a Godzilla movie. Yeah, it goes back to actually one of my favorite. C.S. Lewis quotations because C.S. Lewis is one of my favorite authors. Where mm-hmm. I, I'm probably I'm gonna I I wish I could remember it exactly, but it, the gist of it was he said that when he was a kid, he would read fairy tales in secret because he was afraid of being seen as childish. But now, as an adult, he read them openly because. When he became a man, he put away childish things, such as the fear of being seen as childish. <laughs> right. And I, that quote. was one of the most profound things I've heard, because when you stop and think about it, when we're kids, a lot of us have this little obsession with, I want to be grown up. I want to be an adult. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I, that, I want to be seen as grown up. And then when we become adults, ironically, we all still wish we were kids. Only right. children worry about being seen as childish, which is why adolescence is such an awkward time, I think, because you're not quite a kid, but you're not quite an adult. And I will tell you, my teenage years was the most awkward time for me and my, I guess you could say my my nerdy interests, because I was mm-hmm. one of those teenagers who still had a little bit of an interest in things like cartoons, but only certain ones. I was kind of selective, right. but like I wanted to watch superhero cartoons is that, does that make me a little does that make me childish does that mean i'm acting like a little kid you know things like that and then once yeah. i reached adulthood i just stopped caring <laughs> right exactly yeah that's one of the things I, i've talked to someone about um because they're like oh you know you know you're an adult when the things that kids do annoy you i'm like no no, that's not when you're an adult. That's when you're still kind of in your adolescence. You know you're an adult when the things that kids do 
just don't matter to you anymore because you're doing some of those things too. <laughs> you know, it's like, it's like, I don't care if, if, if kids are wanting to watch cartoons and enjoy these things because, hey, I'm going to join them. Steven Universe is one of my favorite TV shows. I love Steven Universe. And, and it's like, it's, it's one of the most mature shows out there in the, in the real sense of maturity, not the family guy sense of maturity, but like real maturity. But it's, meant for kids and it's so great one of those things that has astonished me that you have stuff like like a like a pixar and they make animated mm -hmm. movies and they are brilliant and they are clever and then you have the stuff on adult swim that's meant for adults and it's dumber Right, and they're and that's meant to appeal to kids more than than the actual kid stuff. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's crazy. Yeah, I'm right there with you. Um, Michael, you want to read out another uh, answer that we got from the community? Um, so I will in just a second, but I was going to ask uh, oh, okay, Nathan. Go ahead. I was going to ask Nathan really quickly if you could, you know, I guess give the fandom a health rating right now. Like, how healthy do you feel like this whole fandom is at the moment? Well, just by being in the community yeah. and talking with people around the community and just interacting, you know, within it. I mean, how healthy do you do you personally feel like it is? Well, it is infinitely healthier than the Star Wars fandom. I will tell you that much. So oh, yeah. if we use if we're using that as the grading scale, Star Wars, probably an F at this point, because they're faction. Like I said, they're highly factionalized and they're crazy. Mm -hmm. And then I would say probably an A would be. Weirdly enough, I would have to say would be the Mystery Science Theater fan community because I've never seen anybody unhappy in that fandom. The closest I see to any sort of fight in that fandom is people having healthy debates about who was the best host. Right. But nobody yeah. bites each other's heads off because someone says, I like Mike. I love Joel. Shut up. No, nobody does that. Right. Nobody does that. Yeah. I, so I, I feel uh, the, like that community is what we need to strive for. So in light of that, I would probably put, I'd probably put the Godzilla and at least the American ver uh, side of things. This community, I'd probably put it in maybe a B range if, with the if Mystery Science Theater being the A. Because mm -hmm. there's, yeah. I've seen some fighting. And I've seen some backbiting in this community, and it disappoints me every time. But yeah, not I think nearly that... to the level I've seen in others. Right. I think the biggest debate that I saw in the Mystery Science Theater community was when the reboot on Netflix came out, and there were you know some people who didn't like it, and there were some people who did like it, and uh, you know, and there was a healthy debate on you know whether it was any good or not, or whether it was worth watching or not, and but there was never this. It was, like you said, it was never at the level of like Star Wars fans get or comic book fans get when they start uh, picking their sides and, and and you know marking their territory. I was reading through some of these comments just now, and uh, sorry I didn't have a better segue. But no, that's uh, fine. I, was, I was reading, I was reading through some of these comments just now, and one of them really caught my eye and kind of hit me, you know, it sort of hit me in in the feels a little bit. Um, Holly Moore wrote in, and, and she said, uh, "I'm a I'm a kaiju and tokusatsu fan because of my son. 
I introduced him to Godzilla movies when he was young, and it's been a way for uh, it's been a way to stay connected with him. He is now 15 years old, and we're heading to our or headed to our second G Fest this summer. He has helped me uh, become and stay a kaiju tokusatsu fan, uh, and really, I feel like that's that's something that doesn't get mentioned a lot. Is sort of this fandom is a lot more family friendly and a lot more family oriented than what people want to give it credit for. That And that's part of it being such a long running franchise, the Godzilla franchise specifically, because you have, you know, grandparents who watched the original movies when they were coming out. And then you have, you know, the parents and then the grandkids and all these different generations of people who are sharing this. I mean, like I said, I inherited uh, my love of Godzilla from my dad because he was a you know big Godzilla fan and uh, my dad wasn't the greatest person in the world and I'm going to leave it at that um, but when the the best memories I have of him was when we were watching Godzilla films or when we were talking about Godzilla or, or not even Godzilla but the Harryhausen films too because he was the one that introduced me to a lot of those old classic Harryhausen films too um and speaking of Harryhausen films, I just want to, uh, real quick talk about, I did talk to Matt Frank, uh, a little bit that I didn't include in the interview, but I did not know that one of his first jobs working in comic books was doing a couple of issues of the Harryhausen signature collection, which were the comic book, uh, they were comic book adaptations of some of those old Harryhausen films like uh, Beast from 20,000 Fathoms and Clash of the Titans and things like that. And I did not know, I knew those existed, but I did not know Matt Frank had worked on them. So I was like, I need to go and hunt those down now because I want to see his early work and see how he's grown. And he's like, oh, I'm so sorry. <laughs> Going back through some of these responses that we got from people who are also podcasters uh, about why they appreciate the genre. Um, of course, we've mentioned him already. And, and just like we used to make the joke about Michael, that if we mention him enough times, he'll end up on the podcast. Um, but Dave, David, you Marshall, to say his name three times, he'll show up. Exactly. Right, exactly. Um, so, but David Marshall from the uh, Kaiju Apostle podcast said uh, that the fandom to me is, or rather should be a safe place to discuss and bond over our shared interests. We don't always get that grace and understanding from the outside world so it's somewhere we should be willing to listen and help others when we haven't received the same elsewhere as for becoming and staying a fan my parents were instrumental in the initial becoming part but i stopped caring for a while it wasn't until 2014's release that i started poking back around and having a son who loved dinosaurs inspired me to drive to dive right back in and he said, no regrets. So there we see someone who came back to the genre and came back to the community because of the 2014 Godzilla. So even once he joined. <laughs> yes, exactly. The prodigal fan. I figured he would appreciate that being a seminarian and all. <laughs> that just shows how these, uh, even though some fans don't like the American movies, the MonsterVerse movies that are being made, it does serve a purpose in one way, and that's to create new fans or to bring old fans back. I, I think Matt Frank posted something like that on Twitter. 
because there was that hullabaloo there for a week or two where suddenly all this hate for 24 uh, for Godzilla King of the Monsters 2019 was coming out and Matt Frank <clears> threw <throat> his hat in and just said the best thing about King of the Monsters is that it will get people to buy Showa era DVDs. <laughs> right. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, so who you know, it's like you don't have to enjoy every single movie. Me personally, I I enjoy and like every Godzilla movie to a point. I don't not every Godzilla movie is my favorite movie, but there is something in every Godzilla movie that I enjoy, even the ones that most people don't like. I still find something that I enjoy in them. But one of the things that we can all agree on is that if it puts more fans or the love of Godzilla in more people's hearts, then it's a it's a good thing. More fans is never a bad thing. And I know we've covered this from sort of a we've really covered this from a really Godzilla Toho heavy perspective because I think that's really where the bulk of the fandom lies. But for me too, just now getting into the Ultraman series has given me infinite possibilities of where I need to go next because I, admittedly I was no, I I watched some Ultraman on television when I was younger, but I don't really remember it all. Um, but coming back to it with all these Mill Creek releases, I've just sort of dove head first in and I'm already on Return of Ultraman uh, right now. I'm like about 11 episodes in and honestly I have enjoyed most everything that I've seen so far and I'm hoping that it kind of spurs my interest to kind of dive into some of the more obscure tokusatsu uh, avenues that I could possibly take. I know Nathan could probably point me in those directions Um, but yeah it's just been a lot of fun. It's just been a lot of fun connecting with the fans, connecting with with uh, people on social media. I reluctantly joined Twitter because I always assumed Twitter was uh, a place for debates and uh, just yelling at one another. But, um, but yeah, it's, it's been a lot of fun just talking with some of these folks. I've met some, some probably, uh, hopefully will turn into some awesome friends uh, via social media, just, just starting conversations. And that's really, I think, uh, what we need to do as fans is just, uh, when you see a conversation or, uh, want to have a conversation, just kind of jump in. And, uh, if you see something, if you see, uh, someone that disagrees with you on a particular film or franchise, find out why don't just you know, crap all over them for their opinion, actually find out why they believe that way, because they're probably there, you know, there could be a a deeper reason as to why, or they just don't know any better. And I don't say that to be condescending. They just don't know about the other stuff that either precedes or comes after, uh, the thing that they like. Well, and sometimes it just may require just hearing a different perspective. I, I will tell you, and maybe he's listening. I don't know. But I have a listener to the Film Vault that I bumped into last year at G-Fest. And interestingly, it was at the final Kaiju Cast listener party. And he told me, uh, we got onto the subject of Shin Godzilla. And he told me he didn't like Shin Godzilla and uh, because of all these political things that he thought it was a nationalist movie and things like that, which is a thing that is a pretty hotly debated issue in some circles in the fandom. 
And right. I said, hold on there, buddy. Think about this. And then I gave him a couple of points and gave him a little bit of a Japanese, you know, I'm no expert, but, you know, told him a little bit about Japanese history and politics. And he told me, wow, I hadn't thought of it that way. And then a few months ago, right after the podcast started, he messaged me and he said, I have a whole, I, I love Shin Godzilla now. I'm so glad you told me all mm. those things. <laughs> you know, and I wasn't yeah. being abrasive or anything. I just said, I disagree with you. Let me tell you what I think and gave him yeah. a perspective he hadn't considered. Yeah. And, and that's not to say that it's, it's wrong to not like something. I mean, I'm not the biggest Shen Godzilla fan uh, myself, but for, for different reasons, I, I enjoy it. Like I said, there, there's not a Godzilla movie that I don't enjoy in some way, but I'm not the biggest Shen Godzilla fan, but you know, and then we also have the 1998 Godzilla uh, movie, uh, which, you know, surprisingly does have a lot of people who like it and, and, you know, are, were drawn to kaiju movies through it. So there's nothing wrong with liking the thing that you like, and there's nothing wrong with not liking what you, what you, uh, don't like, you know, certain movies or certain aspects of movies, but it is all about just, uh, having peaceful discourse between each other and celebrating the things that we do have in common. Because if you don't like Shin Godzilla, you still love Godzilla. You know, if you don't like the 98 Godzilla, you still love Godzilla. It doesn't, it doesn't matter if you don't like that one particular aspect of it. We still have things in common. And so finding the common ground with the, with everybody is really interesting. Um, I know we're running short on time, but I have an email from somebody because, that I met at Pensacon. His name is Michael as well. And, uh, I talked to him for a little bit and then I told him I was going to email him, uh, because I wanted to get his uh, thoughts on this topic that we're talking about, the question of what does the kaiju uh, and tokusatsu genre mean to you? And he sent this email. He said, my name is Michael and I am 54 years old. I'm a big kaiju fan. My favorite films include the Heisei Gamera trilogy. I also love Frankenstein Conquers the World and War of the Gargantuans. I love all Gamera film films and every Godzilla film as well. I have them all in my collection. I also have a large collection of non-Godzilla films like Legend of the Dinosaur Birds and Monsters uh Dinosaur Birds and Monsters and The Last Dinosaur. <laughs> Uh, I have a room full of Godzilla and Kaiju figures. I became a God a Kaiju fan in the late 60s and very early 70s. I saw a Gamera film, I believe it was Destroy All Planets, which is the American re uh, retitled uh, Gamera versus Zigra, I think. No, it was Gamera which versus uh, Viras. Viras, Viras. Okay, that's that's right. Uh, I knew it was one of them. Uh, a different kaiju film showed on TV almost every week back then. I loved how the kaiju was a hero in those Showa era films. I pretended I was on Monster Island. Hey, <laughs> I don't have to pretend. <laughs> Right, exactly. Uh, pretending like he was on Monster Island like the kid in Godzilla's Revenge. I kept on watching the films throughout my adult life. It was really great being able to share these films with my kids. They too have become kaiju fans. Those classic Showa films still have a special place in my heart. So that's from Michael, who I met at Pensacon, who was so kind to give me his thoughts. Um, I have a quick, a few, um, short 
responses from Twitter that I'd like to read out too. We have uh, ET13 Productions, which is the host of Kaiju Conversations podcast. Uh, they said on Twitter, the fun fighting dubs and subs and great soundtracks are all the things that he appreciates about Kaiju genre. Uh, we also have Thorax, who I like to call the artist formerly known as Kevin because he used to be, uh, his name on Twitter used to be Kevin and he changed it to, to, uh, Thorax. <laughs> um, but he said the fights and the bad dubs, anti-nuclear messaging, that's the things he appreciates. And then Alexander Sperling said clashing of titanic forces, some depth and fun are all the things he appreciate. And then I think I had one more. Uh, Justin Baker said, I love the idea of giant monsters. They are just awesome. I mean, what's not to love about something massive trampling through a city, even if the monster makes no sense. <laughs> so that's just a few more responses that we had. And we had so many responses to the question of what does the tokusatsu and kaiju uh, genre mean to you we had some more from other podcasters alex from the uh who's uh eric's co-host on the monsters versus men podcast sent us a really nice one um we had unite godzilla fans on twitter and instagram uh we had somebody named nathan from uh i can't tell what this podcast is called but something about an island okay. <laughs> that, that guy's weird that guy's weird yeah, yeah he, he, he for him all us. the time <laughs> uh, and we had a lot of um, responses on uh, Facebook, on the Kaiju Groupie Facebook. We had Eric Rossi, Charles Henderson, Tom Hughes, uh, Connor Tooley, uh, O'Reilly, Carol, uh, also uh, who's an admin on the Kaiju Groupie. Uh, Brian Patrick Lamothe, all of them sent in great answers and we read every single one of them, but we can't read them out on the podcast. So we just want to say that we appreciate every response that we got uh, from that question because we really appreciate the community and we wish we could shout all of you guys out and read all of your responses on the podcast, but unfortunately we are starting to run low on time. <laughs> it's, it's much like how we as fans have an abundance of riches <laughs> right now you have right. an abundance of responses right exactly and so that is um it, it was so nice to see so many responses i really enjoyed that um is there anything else before we move on to the next segment uh michael that you wanted to uh maybe you know sum up everything that we've been discussing just that um be open be open-minded uh, if you're a new fan, if you're an old fan, uh, older fan, I wrote a long friggin' post on, on New Year's Eve, or was it New Year's Day? I can't remember now, but about just how, as a community, uh, if you're an older fan, uh, you know, give some recommendations to the newer fans that don't necessarily know what else is out there. And, and to the younger fans out there, uh, that don't necessarily, or have not died, have not, uh, dove deep, as deep as some of us. Um, be open-minded, be open-minded. If you're, like I said, if you came into the later films, watch some of the older movies and, and go into it with an open mind and, uh, an open heart to all things <laughs> tokusatsu so that you can receive enlightenment through it. Yeah. And Nathan, do you have any final words on the subject of the state of the fandom? 
I will simply quote those great philosophers, Bill and Ted, be excellent to each other. <laughs> nice. nice. Excellent. Um, and for me, my final thought is um, that just don't forget to have fun with it you know don't get so bogged down with well you know, king kong and godzilla couldn't both be on that destroyer because uh that battleship because they would they would sink it, it, it let's just have fun with the genre with the... I, I made a an amusing meme with that which was... yes <laughs> i remember <laughs> um but yeah let's just not forget to have fun because these are fun movies and we should embrace the sillier dumber crazier side of things and just enjoy them for what they are um okay so moving on to our next segment of the podcast is our listener questions or the mailbag segment um we have a question that comes in from i mentioned him already once but uh thorax uh who like i said i like to refer to as the artist formerly known as kevin <laughs> um he sent us a question. Are there any kaiju books that you read or own? He said he's currently reading King Kong, the history of a movie icon by Ray Morton. So uh, we'll start with, with Nathan since he's our, our special guest this week. Is there any kaiju books that you read or own? Uh, you don't have enough time for me to go over I've already, I, I've, read the Morton book and it's been referenced many, many times on the podcast. It's been a frequent oh, nice. source, but I would also just to narrow it down because I, I have many, I've got, I have, in fact, uh, you know, they're all stacked up right in front of me right now. <laughs> so, <laughs> but the, I would definitely recommend, there's a couple of them, the read the Ashura Honda biography that Rifle and Gotacheski just oh, yeah. put out. It's fantastic. Absolutely. I would also recommend a critical history and filmography of Toho's Godzilla series by David Callett. It is some of the best scholarship I have ever read on the Godzilla films. And because he is just too cool of a dude not to bring up, John LeMay read his Lost Films book, which just had a new edition put out, the, mm -hmm. which is full of all kinds of wonderful information. And because I love shameless self-promotion, I am not only a podcaster, I am an author, a science fiction author. And one of the books that I have published is a kaiju novella that I co-wrote with Natasha Hayden, Timothy Deal, and uh, Nick Hayden. Although Nick didn't write the book itself, he contributed a tie-in short story. It's called Destroyer. You can find that on Amazon. And I've also recently contributed to an anthology put out by Wild Hunt Press that is called Attack of the Kaiju. It's a collection of short stories. Okay, nice, nice. Um, Michael, uh, do, I know you. I know you have some books too that you read and stuff. So, what what kaiju books are you reading? Uh, well, well, uh, Nathan stole my answers. Uh, a, couple, a, a couple of them. Uh, so I, I mean, I, I, will, I can recommend a few other ones that you can steal from me if you want. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Um, I will absolutely second Nathan on the biography of uh, Yoshiro Honda. Excellent, excellent. I finished it uh, just the other day, and I was 
just I was just blown away by just sort of his story because I there was a lot of stuff about uh, Mr. Honda that I just did not know. And so if you're able to pick up that book, I think you can get it from Amazon for like thirty bucks, and it's 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 well worth uh, well worth adding to your library. Um, I guess other than that, I don't I don't have any major ones that come to mind at the moment. Other than that, so I'll just go over sort of what I what I've read through so far. I have a collection here sitting in front of me of the Mark uh, Saracini books, the uh, novels. Oh, those are great. (laughs) Yeah, they were put out in like 1990. I think this one's dated 1996. It was put out by Random House. Yeah, it was the mid to late 90s. Okay, yeah. It was a series of four books. I think Godzilla Returns, Godzilla 2000, uh, Godzilla at the Edge of the World, I think it's what it's called. At World's Um, End. At World's End, there we go. And then Godzilla versus the giant robot monsters. Not a super original title, but it has Godzilla on the cover. So uh, you get the point. But I'm just now rereading through these. I just finished uh, Godzilla Returns. I actually plan on doing a mini-sode of my own on the Kaiju Weekly podcast. I'm just kind of going over the book and my thoughts. You can actually find these now. now they are. I will say that you can get your hands on them, but they're not super cheap. I think each individual copy will cost you anywhere between forty-five to fifty dollars. Holy USD, crap! So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm uh, glad I held on to my copies. Exactly. Yeah. I got them brand spanking new. They were they were a gift from my mom for my birthday, and I will even though they are kind of tattered and they absolutely show some age on them. Um, and I could probably sell them, but I won't. I won't because they're they're something that I I will probably always treasure just because right. uh, because of that. But other than that, um, yeah, uh, I, I like art books more. Uh, I recommend and comic books, of course. The aftershock comic comes to mind really quickly, only because I'm looking at it right now. Yeah. Um, that was the prequel, I think, to King of the Monsters. And now, 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 don't get too far into comic book territory, because then you're stepping in my zone. I am. Yeah. I am. <laughs> because I don't want to be. Well, you get no territorial, therefore. Yeah, yeah. Step back, step back, son. No, I'm just kidding with you, Michael. <laughs> but other than that, I like uh, just art books in general. I like the art. Of, uh, art of King of the Monsters is great. Uh, that one comes to mind right off. And of course, like I said, like or like Nathan said, the uh, biography for Ashira Honda is fantastic. And I think it's um, absolutely recommended and required reading for any kaiju or tokusatsu fan. Yeah. And besides the ones that you guys have mentioned already, um, there was a couple that jumped to mind. There was, um, I think fairly recently, uh, there is Harryhausen, the lost, uh, Ray Harryhausen, the lost films, uh, just came out. Um, it's a pretty short book, but it, it, it has a lot of the unmade, uh, ideas and stuff that Harryhausen had for some of his movies, uh, some movies and stuff. Um, there's also, uh, a, movie or a book that I am that's in my Amazon cart that I just haven't actually purchased yet but I've been meaning to it's called Seeking Perfection the Unofficial Guide to Tremors by Jonathan Melville (laughs) as soon as you say Seeking Perfection I'm like this is Tremors isn't it (laughs) 
Yes, I want to read this so bad because it's it, it goes into a lot of the behind the scenes stuff of um, what happened with the making of Tremors and everything. Um, so I kind of I really want to read that because I find those those movies super fascinating. And so I want to read that book. Um, so those are two that, that really stand out to me. But um, also we were talking about comic books. Uh, I love the IDW uh, Godzilla series. Um, all of them, uh, all of the IDW Godzilla uh, books that came out are just excellent. Excellent. Um, done by Matt Frank. Have we mentioned Matt Frank enough times that maybe he'll pop up on the podcast? I now? I don't think so. Ah, we gotta we gotta just sit there you know it's like click your heels uh three times to say matt frank matt frank matt frank um and maybe he'll he'll appear on the podcast really quickly nathan before i forget what is i think you had him on your podcast at some point uh or maybe i'm thinking of something totally different but it was the it's the book about the unmade kong films that sounds oh, interesting yeah Okay. Kong on there, yeah, which is, uh, has also been cited several times on my podcast. And I've had the author, John LeMay, on two episodes. Mm-hmm. The, the one you're probably thinking of was a mini-sode I did where, because I already covered King Kong versus Godzilla in great depth on Kaiju Vision, my previous mm-hmm. podcast, I decided in place of that to talk about two unmade Kong films that had ties to King Kong versus Godzilla. One okay. being the abandoned concept of King Kong versus Frankenstein. And then the other one was a sequel to King Kong versus Godzilla that never got made. And I kind of wish it had. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. That's interesting. I love, I love learning about the, the like history of some of these movies, especially the ones that don't get made because it's really fascinating to me. So those books are excellent. Um, so yeah. So, uh, Kevin or Thorax is what you're uh, going by now on social media. Um, hopefully we answered your question um also while we're also in in this uh segment i do want to give a shout out to thorax as a patreon because he is a patreon supporter at the hashtag justice for baragon level (laughs) Um, (laughs) and as a side note I just got my, because, okay, oh, I haven't even mentioned on the podcast, so I guess it would be good to mention this. We have started a tea Public store, uh, so you can go on to tpublic.com slash kaiju underscore weekly, I think is what it is, or something like that. But you can look up Kaiju Weekly on TeePublic, uh, or you can check out my social medias, because I've shared the storefront on there. Uh, we have shirts that are related to the podcast that you can buy. I have a Mothra um, Ask Me About My Kaiju Agenda uh, shirt. I have a an Attack of the Killer Tomatoes shirt on there which I am so proud of. There's a Save the Flying Turtles shirt, which has a camera. <laughs> there are so many. My thing with doing merch for the podcast is I don't want to just put my ugly face on there and say, here, buy my merch. I want to make it fun and exciting. And of course, I had to do it. I had to put it on a t-shirt. Hashtag Justice for Baragon is on a t-shirt. And I got my own one, I'm actually a customer of, of our storefront because I bought my own shirt. <laughs> <laughs> I, w- so, I will be sure to have that passed along to Baragon here on the, well, over on the island. <laughs> 
Yes, yes, because Baragon, I love Baragon. Baragon does not get the justice he deserves, and so I have a shirt that is justice for Baragon. I also have a new one that I just did, um, which was based on a YouTuber uh, who's also a part of the Kaiju Groupie Facebook group named Alyssa. She likes to say the word adorable because she loves Hedora so much, and so I designed a very kawaii-looking uh, Hedora and put the word adorable under it. And it's for sale on there too. So if anybody's, if anybody's interested in that, design a few shirts for my show. <laughs> oh man, I don't know if I'm any good at it. I just have fun doing uh, it. <laughs> I, there have been some things I've come up with for the. For, I I call them hype memes that I put uh-huh. up on the social media to promote the upcoming episodes. And I honestly, it's I don't know why, but one of my favorite ones was when I was doing the Varan episode, and I ha- found this picture of Varan. He just looks angry, and the. <laughs> The caption, and I have to say it in this voice, but it says, I killed two men over butterflies. I am the perfect (laughs) (laughs) I remember that one. That was a good one. (laughs) I remember that one. I think my favorite meme I've ever done for this podcast was, um, which it was early on, so I don't know if anybody even saw it because it was before, like, we really had any listeners, but um, because I'm not the biggest king kong fan uh steven was always a bigger king kong fan but i really like mechanic kong from king kong escapes uh and that so i put out a meme that said i prefer my kongs mechanized (laughs) (laughs) well then you will be happy to know that my intrepid producer is trying to rebuild mechanic kong in his garage on the island (laughs) yes Woo! Using uh, no, no joke, using leftover parts from both Mogras. Nathan, did he uh, get the video I sent over? The tutorial video I sent over to you guys about how to fix Mechanicon. Actually, I think he did. The that's why he's not here with me right now. He, you know, this is usually his day off, so he's he spends all of his spare time in the shop. You know, his garage. So, so if. If he's building Mechanicong from leftover parts from the Magaras, does that mean that Mechanicong's going to have a drill on his face? <laughs> I don't know about a drill on his face, but... <laughs> I would love to see that, a Mechanicong that with a drill. That would be amusing. I'll suggest it to him. <laughs> Oh, man. But, uh, Kevin, I'm so sorry we got sidetracked on your Patreon shout-out, but one of the one of the things that people get when they sign up for Patreon is a uh, to support this podcast is a shout-out. Um, and so we give them a shout-out, and also they can share their favorite giant monster from any media, whether it be comic books or movies or whatever. And so this is what Kevin, uh, or Thorax, uh, as he is known now, sent over. He said, my favorite kaiju is Gigan. Very unique roar and a cowardly personality really like his design in final war <laughs> oh my gosh final wars guy good man oh my goodness that uh, uh the hangs out on the Gigan hangs out on the island but he dropped the chainsaws that they were just impractical <laughs> Good, good. <laughs> the Texas Chainsaw Massacre Gigan. It's <laughs> uh, more like S&M Gigan, but yeah, right, yeah. He's, uh, he's still a little embarrassed that he chopped off his own head and then got killed by flaming kamikaze Mothra. <laughs> oh <laughs> uh, i i do love guy again the, the i always call him a giant mechanized penguin because he just looks like a giant penguin i've to also me. heard him described as a chicken <laughs> 
Yes. Was it was it you? Was it you or was it um somebody else? It might have been somebody else. It might have been G Man on uh, Twitter who shared the uh the gif of every time uh kaiju or Godzilla fans uh, mention Gigan and it was uh this ceremony where these people were worshiping a chicken and like lifting it up in the air and everything. And I was just like, that is so accurate <laughs> it's so accurate too it's like oh the chicken praise be the chicken <laughs> uh, uh, uh. i love it i love it yes so guy again is awesome so thank you for supporting us thorax kevin you are a wonderful person for supporting our podcast because uh the fact that you can listen to this episode and say Huh, I still want to support these guys. <laughs> I'm giving money to these lunatics? <laughs> right, exactly. Uh, really means a lot. And if anybody else wants to support the podcast, we don't bring it up all the time and we don't really make a big deal out of it, but it really does help us out. It helps us uh, with the cost of uh, hosting the podcast and it also helps with improving our sound quality because uh, I can afford better equipment and also helps pay for things like Pensacon and the interview with uh, Matt Frank and uh, Mark Maddox and, and other interviews that I hope to get in the future so uh, if anybody wants to support us patreon.com slash kaijuweeklypod is where you can support us and if you want to send us an email or a tweet or anything like that any kind of message to be read out on the podcast you can do that uh kaiju weekly at gmail.com is how you can email us you can also tweet us at kaiju weekly on twitter and you can also message us on instagram we're kaiju weekly pod on instagram uh mostly it's pictures it's memes i make and pictures of my cat on instagram uh <laughs> The the I, I refer to Daisy the my cat as the podcast cat because uh usually if I close the door to my recording area she will sit outside the door and meow and meow and sometimes it go it'll be picked up on the podcast so she makes uh, frequent guest appearances. Yeah, just to give <laughs> a, a plug for one of my podcast friends, that's nothing compared to Redeemed Otaku. <laughs> the oh, okay. the couple who run that podcast they have seven cats and they frequently show up in the show oh my goodness seven i have my hands full with just one and i know michael has a few cats too i have so. three and that's more than enough <laughs> but um we also uh I don't know if you're aware of this, uh, Nathan, but um, each week we like to give a trivia question at the end of the episode that will hint to... Oh, really? To, yeah. <laughs> I'm <laughs> kidding. I have actually been right. checking up on right. your backlog in preparation for this. Um, but so the trivia question that we have for this week is actually a trivia question that we've asked before, but the episode got delayed and we weren't able to record it. So I'm going to ask the trivia question again and have uh, people respond to it again um i saved up the ones that did already respond to it so that's fine but next week's trivia question is in episode 320 of the simpsons which of the family members appeared as ultraman in the opening couch gag so going back to ultraman <laughs> we're, we're covering ultraman uh we're the plan i think right now is to cover every episode of the 1966 original Ultraman series and then from 
moving forward, we're going to figure out what we're going to do. We may not cover every single episode of every series of Ultraman. <laughs> yeah, we may do uh, just some of the standout episodes or even maybe cover that series as a whole. We don't know yet. Right. I was going to yeah. say, I think I saw a running total for how many episodes there are, and I think it was about... I think it was in the 700s, I want to say. Yeah, yeah. This is the Japanese shows. I mean, it's just something about Japanese culture. They love just their long-running television shows. They just will not cancel their TV shows. <laughs> well, Star Trek's the same way. I think that was... I think that was about 500 or so episodes between all the shows. But uh, so, yeah. So if you want to, if anybody wants to uh, answer the question, uh, even if you get the question wrong or if you want to give us a funny answer, we will read it out on the podcast. You can reach out through the social medias. I will also be sharing it on the Kaiju Groupie Facebook group. And uh, so to close out this episode, we want to thank Nathan for coming all the way from Monster Island. We know that's a long trip uh, <laughs> to get here so thank you so much for coming absolutely it's been a pleasure sir yeah and if you want to give us any plugs uh for your podcast or anything else that you want to do you can give us your plugs of course like i said i love shameless self-promotion <laughs> as i mentioned i'm also an author as well as a podcaster my author website is nathanjsmarchand.com yes i had to use my middle initials because some schlub out there already had the domain <laughs> NathanMarchand.com. I would find you. Anyway. <laughs> and then the the podcast website is MonsterIslandFilmVault.com. You can also follow me on Facebook at NathanJSMarchand and the podcast at Monster Island Film Vault. You And on Instagram, it's Monster Island Film Vault. And on Twitter, my... Author handle is Nathan Marchant Seven. The podcast is the Monster Isla One because Twitter is weird, and <laughs> I have to fulfill my contractual obligations and mention that you can also follow my intrepid producer at NASA Jimmy. Take that, if board of directors. You can't nail me now. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> if you must, if if after following everybody else. You, you still have room to follow uh, at NASA Jimmy. You can follow him also. <laughs> when you when you try to communicate with him, especially if it's a topic he, he really is not a fan of. <laughs> oh, yeah. Don't mention the Star Wars prequels around him. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so again, like we said, thank you so much, Nathan, for being on here. And you are always welcome to be on this podcast anytime you can find your way off of the, the island away from all of those hey, giant kaiju. Hey, giant bunny rabbits will get me back on the show. I'm just saying, let me know. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yes. Yes. I will definitely, definitely reach out to you for that one because that is going to be funny. We oh, need my to goodness. scout around a little bit because I think the scientists have a little bit of an interest in adding one or two of them to the island. So... <laughs> Oh, yes. Well, the problem with adding the giant bunny rabbits on on an island like Monster Island is you have to you have to keep them away from some of the more uh bloodthirsty of the kaiju. <laughs> Cuz those, those 
Those giant bunny rabbits don't have a whole lot of defense <laughs> defenses. <laughs> they have they have Whoa. ways. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> They've yeah. learned from their yeah. mistakes with the Keylogs and from Jurassic Park, our competition. So <laughs> Right. <laughs> well, uh so yeah, so this has been a really fun episode and uh, it's gonna be one of the longest ones we've done, but that's still good. It is worth it. It was a lot of fun. But to close out this episode, I am going to say have uh, your help control the giant monster population, uh, especially on the island when there's limited space, and have your giant monsters, your kaiju spayed or neutered. And we will see you guys next time. Bye, guys. Sayonara.